before, during, and after elections. So there, there are these uh, PLC, party liaison committees at, at various levels, but they indicated that there's an increase uh, in conflict between, between parties and within parties, uh, which is uh, taking up a lot of their time. So what, what methods are they using to both address and, and prevent some of this conflict? So these are just uh, the, the, the main issues that I extracted from the, from the report. Um, I don't know if I want to head it back to members or... Yes, I, I, Acting Chair, I'll, I'll leave it over to you to guide the process further. Thank you very much, Adam. I'm just checking if the Chair has... No, he hasn't. Okay. Can I then... Um... Over to members, if there's anyone who wants to provide any input instead of just calling out names, perhaps it would be easier that way. Any questions of clarity, members, or any inputs? Members, are you there? Uh, Honourable Pei, this is Honourable Kanyele. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you and good morning to all the colleagues that are online. Um, I think the presentation or um, the the presentation by the content advisor was 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 pretty clear. I I am covered, but I'm I'm, I'm speaking only for myself. Other members <laughs> can actually make comments. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you very much, Honorable Kanile. Acting chairperson, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, thank you very much, Honorable Pillai. I, I agree with Honorable Kanile. Um, just to thank um, our content advisor for the summary, and I think we are okay for our meeting at nine. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Ruiz, anything on your side? Uh, thank you, thank you, Chair. Um, I, th I think the you know the, the the one thing that just jumped out to me about the report and that was about the uh, the VMDs um, and, and the fact that they you know there, there doesn't really seem to have been uh, something that that I would like to see in this kind of report. I think it was quite a it had quite a substantial effect on the election. Um, and it's something that we as a committee need to get an understanding of is, is not only we understand that it happened and, uh, and things were rushed, um, but what has been done to ameliorate that. Um, and then secondly, the issue of the fact that uh, the IEC had, was given legal advice to go ahead and plan, and it appears that they didn't do that. It appears that they paused, and then only when the Mosineki report came out and um, eventually the judgment was to go ahead, um, that they sprung into action and, and that caused things like what we saw with the VMD where people weren't trained, they weren't ready and people that thought they were registered to vote couldn't vote. So the, the, these are two things that I think are, are quite important to get an understanding because these kind of things can't just happen and then uh, there's no remedial action report. How are we going to deal with that? Um, how are we going to fix that uh, for the future? Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Rose. Honorable Tito... Honorable... 
morning chairperson and morning to my colleagues. Yes, Shell. Uh, I I think that I'm also covered. When 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 Honorable Ross uh, alluded on the issue of when the voters went. Uh, 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 to vote on the day of the of the of the of the voting, and then they find out that they were not registered. I I, I think that uh, that one, uh, Honorable Ross, uh, covered me, but but so far I'm covered with everything. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Romelo Ben. Good morning, colleagues. Um, morning, Chair. And thanks for noting me, but I am quite covered from the presentation from the contact advisor. Thank you. Honorable Lekhase. Thank you very much, Comrade Honorable Pillay. I think I am covered, but just adding on what Honorable Tito has said, we just had a by-election recently, I think two weeks ago, where for an example, from the same household, one would find that they've been taken from the station that they used to vote from to another station without even notification, without even being noticed. And in November elections, people were voting at a certain station. Now, two weeks ago, they were, told, they, they, they were just noticed by those that were working for their parties to say, please come and vote. You are now appearing on the voters' roll of a, another station. So now my confusion was that how is it really working? The demarcation affects you after you have a few months after you have elected and you are being shifted to another VD without you being notified. And some of the members in your household remain in the station where you used to be. So I'm just adding on what Honorable Tito has just said to say there's a bit of confusion and one would really want to understand what is happening. But besides that, Adam's presentation was clear and I'm covered. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Lekwase. Checking here. Uh, Honorable Lizal. Yes, in fact, you know, I just wanted to, to add to what Honorable Ruiz, Tito and, and the other colleagues have said. What was very interesting from the presentation was that when you work through it, they were completely silent on the issue of, of people who were registered but couldn't vote. And one would have expected them to largely focus on that because I would have assumed that that was probably the biggest criticism that they got after this election and, and what actually caused them some credibility and brand damage was the outcry of people saying we went to go and register and we couldn't vote. Um, and so when I worked through the presentation, there was no mention of that. Um, and so I just wanted to share the concern of the colleagues because I think all political parties had numerous complaints, um, but yet in this presentation, it's not touched on. But we will deal with that when we get to meet with them. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Lizal. And I agree that uh, there are some some matters that we've also raised after, I think just after the election that may not have found itself in this report and, and we can be able to raise that. Uh, one of the other things that stands out to me is the special votes. I think we had quite a challenge with, with special votes. Um, we also had challenges with um, material and, and those kind of things arriving late. So I think those are some of the challenges that we, we can be able to raise. But I'm just checking, Chairperson has not yet arrived. Bra Eddie, you want to then guide us because the chair has not arrived, and I think we are done. Um, members could at least be able to have a cup of coffee or tea 
before we start. Uh, um, acting Chair, if I can just quickly add, it's Adam here again. Sure, uh, Adam, go ahead. Uh, yes, just the other the other question was uh, Honorable Kanile also asked um, that we look further into the the candidates um, represented today on the decision on the IEC commissioner. Um, just to indicate that uh, without going too much into a policy or political decision, there's not much that I can really add other than what's available um, online. We we did go through the the interviews, online interviews, and the CVs and. Uh, yeah, I would be remiss to make any, any further recommendations other than what is fully available. I need to say there was only one, one, one issue raised by uh, about one candidate and it, it related, related to a minor minor uh, issue um, in the Equality Court, which, which didn't uh, cause much issues. Other than that, there's no uh, serious objections we can uh, raise to any of the candidates. Uh, that. Adam, if you just clarify, what was Honorable Kanile requesting? Um, she just indicated that there was only one um, mention in the summary of the CVs of one complaint against uh, one candidate. But uh, this related to an issue in the Equality Court where he, the particular expression was used, uh, Afrikaans expression, which one um, subordinate took offense to, but it was uh, all resolved and uh, there was no major implication for, for, the, for the candidate. Uh, it was uh, Mr. Lambini, I think. Um, but other than that, there's nothing to uh, seriously um, to discredit any of the, any of the candidates, other than sure. the the final the final um, candidates being uh, indicated as uh, the not the most preferable, there's no other necessary uh, distinction between the candidates. I've, I've acknowledged and I notice uh, Honourable Rose and Honourable Kanile, but let me just come in. And that will mean, um, Adam, that if there was just one that was mentioned, it means that the others had nothing, and that's the reason why it was not mentioned. Would that be correct? Um, well, well, just to indicate that over and above what, what is indicated in the, the verbal and the oral uh, interviews, um, we, we also don't have access to more information than that is than, than what is publicly available. So uh, we, I, I could certainly, I couldn't find any uh, additional um, issues sure. in, I, in my attempts. But that's also me, only me as one individual compared to the, the Chief Justice or the, uh, you know, the, the, the whole uh, Judicial Commission. So that's... Um, yeah, we don't have the same capacity, uh, but they obviously would have done. Let, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Honorable Ruas and then Honorable Kanile. Uh, apologies, Chair. My hand was up mistakenly. Oh, thank you. It's a legacy hand. Honorable Kanile. Thank you, Acting Chair. Um, and thank you so much, Adam. I, I think I was also covered. What I did, I also took some time to go and check the interviews on the on the YouTube, so uh, because I, 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 like I had a lot of questions earlier on. Then when it was mentioned that the interviews are available on on YouTube, I did go and watch the interviews. But I also wish to express my appreciation to Adam for for getting back to me. But um, that matter has been clarified, acting chair. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honourable Kanile. Um, members. Can we then um, move off from this and we will then uh, meet at nine with the chairperson hopefully reached a point where he could get connection. Yeah, thank you.
honorable members. Uh, good morning, the uh, IEC uh, led by Deputy Commissioner Love, uh, all commissioners uh, present. Good morning to the Chief Executive Officer and the entire uh, executive team and all our um, stakeholders, Home Affairs, um, the staff, um, and the media uh, component. We are today convening to reflect on the issues which were uh, interacted with the IEC in our previous uh, meetings. Uh, since the local government elections were requested the report to be presented before the committee, uh, so that we interact on the issues that arise from the uh, process towards the local government elections and post the elections for members to able to interact with Home Affairs and the public uh, to get a report on the uh, progress, the shortcomings, uh, and how they have responded to some of the issues with the Home Affairs, uh, sorry, with the Portfolio Committee on Home Affairs has uh, uh, interacted and recommended uh, to the IEC. Secondly, we'll uh, then um, request uh, Mr. Matonsi later on uh, to outline the process that we're going to take on the item number eight, where we're going to interact with the Chief Justice uh, team uh, report, which was sent uh, to the uh, sent to the speaker and referred to the portfolio committee and tabled uh, to the portfolio committee uh, two or three weeks ago. And we hope uh, members will interact with this uh, process. We're not going to waste a lot of uh, time. Uh, we'll uh, now invite uh, Mr. Matunzi to render apologies if the apologies an introduction uh, by uh, the the team. I'm not sure whether the minister or the deputy minister they are in an attendance. If they're in attendance, Mr. Matunzi will indicate, then we'll introduce the IEC to give us a, a presentation. Mr. Matunzi. Um, good morning, Chair. Yes, there's no uh, apology from members. I've got uh, almost a full complement of members today. Uh, and then from, from the department, uh, the minister is not here and the DJ, they are not here. Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you very much. At this stage, I will invite the Deputy Commissioner Love to introduce uh, her team and uh, uh, lead the uh, presentation. Deputy Commissioner Love. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, and greetings to uh, you and to the honorable members of the committee. Um, Chairperson, it gives me great pleasure to present to the committee the 2021 elections report, um, which in our view, these elections were challenging, exciting, but also historic. The commission really wants to indicate that we take this opportunity to engage with you, to answer questions, and to just generally um, be able to deliver a report and account. We take this opportunity really seriously. With me are my fellow commissioners, uh, Dr. Nomsa Masuku, Commissioner Mosutu Muyepia, and also the team of the, the um, executive team of the committee, which is a commission which is led by the um, acting CEO, 
Um, Mr. Shibri, our CEO, is um, not well at present and tenders his apologies. Um, Mr. Shibri is accompanied by a number of people from the administration, including um, Ms. Henning, uh, Mr. Mahlangu, and also uh, Mr. Kalembe. Um, Chairperson, there were a number of very um, different features of this election, and um, Mr. Shiburi will go into some detail in the report, but I wish to single out a couple of highlights. In the first of these is the big question that faced the Commission early in 2021, in the midst of the rampaging and deadly Delta variant of COVID-19. We were faced with a question of how and when free elections would be possible. Representations were made to the Commission by all of the political parties, as well as other stakeholders, whose usual processes of engagement with citizens, with members, have been significantly and negatively impacted. And while our timetable to hold elections at the time in October 2021 were ongoing, the Commission believed that it would assist us as the Commission, but also our country as a whole, to look more deeply into these issues. And to do this, we asked retired Deputy Chief Justice Mosaneke to hold a commission of inquiry to guide us all. Justice Mosaneke was given a very wide set of questions and a very short time frame. The commission will remain ever grateful to him for the manner in which he responded to our call and the guidance that his report provided, not just to us, but to our country as a whole. In particular, the process and the subsequent engagement at the Constitutional Court, we believe has elaborated issues that will provide us for, for a long time to come with a much clearer view of what freeness and fairness of elections needs to take into account, and also gave sufficient recognition to the important role that political parties and civil society in general do play and must play in mobilizing for the participation in elections. The Commission accepted the report of inquiry from Justice Moseneke and on that basis approached the Constitutional Court for a decision to hold the elections in February 2022. The Court declined. And in addition to declining this application, the Constitutional Court decided to reopen voter registration, thereby rendering election timetable for October no longer applicable and resulting in a new timetable needing to be put in place. It was a timetable of only 42 days and it enabled us to hold the elections as directed on the 1st of November. We held a registration weekend and elections in 223 municipalities in the shortest period in the history of South Africa. The ability to achieve free and fair elections under these conditions within such a shortened timetable reflects well on the general state of readiness within the Commission and the dedication of staff at the Commission. We wish to pay tribute to the Chief Electoral Officer and his entire team for the work that they did, for the dedication that they showed, and for the consistency of all of their performance. We also wish to thank 
12 million voters who cast their votes at 23,148 voting stations. Another major highlight for us is that not only were the 221 LGE elections historic for the purposes of the um, very, very pressurized um, situation that they put our entire country under, but they were also the most innovative. The investment that South Africa has made in the voter management devices has already paid off handsomely, and we believe that it will do a lot more going forward. Mr. Shibori will outline um, much more about the key innovations that were used in these elections and this issue in general. We had a major challenge emerging out of the, um, uh, the LGE 2021. Uh, that was in particular low voter turnout. This is something that the Commission has been looking at its own um, position and role that it must play as part of a national effort. It hopes that all other players, including political parties and other members of civil society and government in general, will look so that we can grow and deepen our democracy by enabling a much more significant component of our population, all of those who are eligible to register and to exercise their hard-won right to vote. As the Commission, we wish to express our gratitude also to number of ministers and departments that played a really significant role in enabling us to have these elections in the manner in which they were conducted. In particular, the Department and the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, of Home Affairs, of Police, of Finance, of Basic Education, and their departments and their teams. Time and time again, we are reminded of how far we have come as a country and of how our relatively young electoral democracy continues to grow, challenges notwithstanding. The successful free and fair elections that were held on the 1st of November 2021 were one such occasion. I'd like now to hand over with your permission, Chairperson, to our Deputy CEO, Mr. Shipuri, for the detailed input from the administration, um, if I may. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Commissioner Love. Uh, Deputy CEO Shibori. Uh, thank you. Good morning, Chair. Good morning, members of the Portfolio Committee, uh, members of the Commission, uh, colleagues. The presentation, uh, thanks. The presentation outline deals with a number of things. It demonstrates that a number of factors must coalesce for a proper election to be, to be held. I will not repeat the things that Commissioner Love has traversed, and this includes the current slide on inquiry into free and fair election. I will skip this one and deal with my presentation from this slide. And again here, the Vice Chair has dealt with the issues. I just want to underscore the following, and that is when the court set aside the proclamation by the minister, it reopened the voters' role. The commission had an option to either organize 
a general voter registration weekend or to undertake continuous registration at its offices. The commission took the difficult choice of organizing a general voter registration within 10 days. They did this in order to vindicate the constitutional promise that ours is a common voter's role and that franchise is universal. I say this to underscore the following. If you open 23,000 voting stations, you equalize equity of opportunity for all persons who want to enroll on the voter's roll. Because if the commission had not done that, it would have meant that only persons who could access our network of voting of, of offices or those persons who could register themselves using online mechanisms could have been able to register as voters for the election. And what would that have done? It would have offended the promise of a common voters role. It would have made a franchise, a qualified franchise, and therefore not universal. So that choice is very important uh, to understand that the commission did that, not because it had the time, but because it thought that it needed to vindicate the constitutional promise, especially found in the founding provisions of the, of the, of the, of the constitution. The other thing worth, worth mentioning, that when the commission subsequently adopted a revised timetable following the, the judgment of the Concord, it also opened for a limited period candidate nomination. Why was that necessary? It was necessary because the court had ordered that the voters' role must be unsealed. In other words, you had persons who were not registered, who were now registered with the new timetable. And those persons, if candidate nomination was not reopened, all that it, it meant was that those persons are good to register as voting folder, but they can't enjoy the totality of the rights in, this, in Section 19 of the Constitution to vote in free and fair election and to stand for election uh, if they so desired. And in the circumstances, there were a number of persons who registered for the first time on the weekend of the 18th and the 19th, who submitted and stood as candidate as, as first-time first time voters. Without the reopening of that process, those young South Africans would not have been able to stand for political office, even though they were qualified to do so. The vice chairperson has dealt with the uh, uh, shortened timetable and the implications that it had. I won't deal with this in detail, except to say the following, that following the order of the court, we had 42 days to run an election. And that upset a number of activities that must happen in a sequential order. The scheme of the timetable is sequenced in that you first have a voter registration period, you have a period of objections to the voters' role. You have a period within which the commission must consider uh, those objections and make a decision. You have a period of certification of the voters' role. You have a period for applications of special vote. But because we do not have the luxury of time, we, all, we almost had to do some of those activities in tandem, and those created difficulties in the administration of elections. 
Additionally, you cannot start printing the ballot papers until such time that we have concluded candidate nomination. The 42-day timetable, these elections were only possible in 42 days because one, the commission had not ceased with its preparation when it launched its application to court. But more importantly, it's because the commission was able to preserve some of the activities that it had undertaken in terms of the first proclamation of the 4th of August by the minister. So some of the activities that happened in terms of that timetable were preserved and carried over into the new timetable. If that was not done, there was no way that would have had an election on the 1st of November, even after the court had ordered us to do so. We now move to key highlights or key statistics of the elections, and this summarizes a number of issues related to these elections. The first one to be made is that we had 26.2 million South Africans who were registered and thus eligible to contest or vote in this election. Well-entrenched phenomenon, there being more females on the voters' roll than males, is well-entrenched and it persists. So 55% the registered population are female, only 45% are male. For these elections, the geography of the contest had not changed, that the same municipal boundaries that were used in 2016 were again in use for this election. We still had eight metro municipalities, 205 local municipalities, and 44 district municipalities. We had a slight increase in the number of voting stations to 23,148,000. And we had 323 unique political parties that had met the requirements to stand and to submit candidates. And out of those 323 political parties, we had 95,427 candidate, which is a record. So in all, 99,000 persons uh, wanted to be candidates. After the close of candidate nomination, we confirmed 95,427 as a person who had met the requirements to contest, and therefore their names could have been on the, on the permutations of ballot papers in use for these elections. So this is, in broad terms, the key statistics of the, these elections. And another record relates to the number of approved special votes. By special vote, we mean votes for those persons who are unable to come to a voting station on voting day, or who know that they would, have, they would travel outside of their voting district and therefore vote their voting station ahead of voting day. In all, the commission approved 1,110,000 special votes, which represented 4% of the total of the total registered voters. The next slide, the message that we want to communicate with this slide is that we all know that consistent with the rest of Sub-Saharan Africa, we are increasingly a young population. However, there is an obstinance in the underrepresentation of young persons as voters on the voters' roll. 
Persons who are younger than 30 represent just over 17% of total persons registered on the voters' roll. This must concern all of us. We must spare no effort in inviting the underrepresentation of young persons and those will be persons between the ages of 18 and 29 year olds because they constitute an increasing bulge in the population of the country. Next slide just sets out the voters' role by province. I will skip it. This slide, this slide compares the number of registered voters against the estimated voting age population. In other words, we take the people that are physically registered as voters and we compare that information against data we receive from Stats SA. So Stats SA estimates that there are about 38.5 million South Africans who are 18 years and above, who are age eligible. And out of those 38 million estimated South Africans who are eligible, we, we have 26.2 million registered as voters. That gives us voter registration of 67.9%. As you'll observe from this slide, the rate of registration is more pronounced in more rural provinces. So the challenge for all of us is to narrow the gap between those South Africans that are eligible to register for voters who are not registered. They are in number, almost the same number of people who voted in this election. So as Democrats, we should be concerned with understanding why a sizable chunk, 20 million of our countrymen and countrywomen are not on the roll. Why do they feel that they can't, uh, they have no role to play in influencing affairs of their communities and country? The next slide we just submit for the information of members, it just demonstrates the increase in number of awards uh, in, sub in, in successive elections. This slide indicates what it is that we do after receiving the awards from the MTP. After the MTP demarcate awards, the, it submits the new awards to the IEC. On our part, we relook at all our voting districts to make sure that we change their boundaries to accord to the new ward boundaries. And in some cases, there is a need to re-register persons because while they were in Ward 4, after the demarcation exercise by the MDB, their ward has been changed and now they fall in a different ward. So on our part, we must re-register those persons to make sure that we account for them in the correct ward in which they have been re-demarcated. The message we're communicating here is that over time, voters develop affinity with points of, re of representation. And there are an increasing number of persons who, while they know that their ward boundaries have changed, simply refuse to be re-registered in, 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 in the now correct voting, voting, voting stations. And when these persons are moved by the chief electoral officer, because the law uh, puts an obligation on the chief electoral officer to change the registration details of voters, who have been impacted by, by the ward demarcation. And when these people are moved, they still go to the old voting station and demand to vote there, knowingly that their ward of representation has changed. And then stories begin to be woven that people have been moved from the voters' role unbeknown to them, 
or that they have voted in certain voting districts, they have now been removed from the voting uh, from the voters' roll when that is not when that is not uh, the case. This slide talks to the output of the of the initiatives put by the Commission on the 18th and 19th of September 2021, when it organized a nationwide voter registration weekend, opening all 23,000 voting stations. During that weekend, in those two days, the Commission interacted with no fewer than 1.7 million South Africans, the majority of whom were persons who came to stations to re-register because their voting district boundaries had changed. 595,000 of those are diligent South Africans who had come to re-examine to, to re their registration status and to confirm that they are still correctly registered. And 433,000 were persons who were registering for the first time as voters. So if the commission had not organized at short notice a voter registration weekend in September, these 433,000 persons who may not have had an opportunity uh, to enroll on the voters' roll as voters. And for the first time out of the 433,000, the bulk of this were young persons who were under the age of 20, 29, 29 years old. This slide just gives us a summary of the voters' role and voter density per municipality across the country. The light green color indicates municipalities of low densities, where the registration is between 1 and 10,000. The darker the color indicates areas of high densities, and these will coincide with your metropolitan areas and your secondary cities uh, in the country. So this gives you the geography of the vote spread across the country on a represented by way of a of a of a map. This slide talks about those who contested elections and the resultant ballot papers. The day of election, we had 508 registered parties. In other words, 508 registered parties were qualified to submit candidates. Of that 508, only 323 parties met the requirements and submitted candidates. And out of the 323,000 parties that contested the elections, only 167 parties met the threshold for representation and got a seat in any of the municipal in any of the municipal municipalities uh, across across the country. Added to that were, were 1,700 independent candidates. This slide just demonstrates the rate of increase in candidates across all 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 elections. You'll see that in 2011. We had 53,000 candidates total. This number has almost doubled in 2021 in a matter of 10 years to 95,440 candidates. The importance of this slide is that when you listen to the noises after the announcement of the result, context will always be important to say if 95,000 persons were contesting 
a finite number of seats, 10,400 seats. What that means is that the voices of the 85,000 candidates who did not get a seat will always drown the voices of the 10,400 voters who were successful. So that's why the noises are amplified after election that people saying the elections were not free and fair because the majority of candidates, of contestants, did not receive a seat. This next slide just shows in the graphic representation the ballots in use for metros is two, and for the local government, for local councils, we use three ballots, one for the ward, one for proportional for the municipality, and the other for the election of the 60%, uh, or the, 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 the other is for the 40% uh, election of uh, locals to the, to the district. This next slide, I'll post on it for a few seconds because this must concern all of us as Democrats. This slide summarizes the rate of participation uh, by the 26 million voters who were eligible. And we know now that only 12.12 million voted in this election, and that translates into a participation rate of 46%. And this slide also indicates that of the 12, people, 12 million people who voted, we were able to harvest using a new technology of VMDs data from 10.9 million, 11 million people. We have their data. We can tell at what time they voted and whether they received uh, uh, ballots, uh, uh, they were issued ballots. And we can also tell that of those persons, none uh, attempted to present at another voting station to attempt uh, to, double, to double vote. The turnout uh, is summarized at the bottom in, the, in those uh, bars at the bottom of the slide. And again, there is higher rate of participation in more rural provinces as opposed to the more urbanized uh, provinces. This slide uh, speaks to the input I made earlier on about us being an increasingly young population and that the future of democracy rests among young persons. What this slide shows us is that while young persons are an artificial minority on the voters' roll, it cannot be said that they do not participate because there's, there's, there is apathy on their part. Because successive uh, elections and successive research uh, output confirms that once registered, young voters are more likely to vote than any age cohort. On this slide, you'll see that the persons who were 18 and 19 on voting day, while they are, minor, they are minority of 1% on the voters roll, like 71% of them went out and voted on voting day, which is higher than any age cohort, which means for all of us, we should continue to expand resources in this age band to increase the opportunities for these young persons to register, because once they are registered, they are more likely to participate than any age, any age cohort. This slide just states the obvious that there were more female uh, voters who turned out to vote. Not only are they the majority on the voters' roll, but they also uh, represent the majority of participants uh, in election. Uh, voter turnout by females was 58% when it was 42% for for males.
This slide should interest those who run party campaigns. Uh, and it, it became it, it came out as a surprise uh, to us to us also in the electoral commission because it backs well entrenched trend that come eleven o'clock on election day in the morning. Election is either lost or won because the majority of voters would have voted by eleven o'clock. If you look at the graph at the bottom, it relates to rate of participation in twenty nineteen national election, which shows that by between seven, seven and nine o'clock in the morning, uh, at the voting, at the opening of voting, the majority of South Africans voted at that time. And from then onwards, from about nine o'clock, the rate of participation is down and plateaus uh, until the station closes. So there's a rush in the morning, and about eleven o'clock, uh, that rush uh, pits down to a streaming, almost equal flow, which is on a a decline trajectory throughout the day. However, the graph on the bottom shows us something new for 2021, that while between the bulk of the people voted between seven and nine, the, there was not as much a bulge as in previous elections because the rate of participation remained almost constant throughout the day until the voting stations closed at seven in the morning. I wish to spend uh, uh, just a, a minute on this slide, Chair, to, 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 to reiterate the obvious. One is that once we closed, stations close after the vote, counting commences at all stations in the presence of party agents and observers where there are some. And that under no circumstances are ballots transported and counted from a voting station to, 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 another, to another locality. Again, that result slips are completed in the presence of party agents and, and, and observers. And party agents can affix their signatures on those result slips. They can also take images of those result slips. Why do we do that? To obviate accusations that results that left the stations are not the result that have been captured on the result system. We also, in keeping with the tradition, retained 10 result operation centers, one each for the nine provinces and one for national office. And also we had a capturing facility at all of our municipalities where the results were captured. And in all of those uh, localities, political parties had access uh, into, into, into the results collation. Uh, process. Additionally, before the elections, we undertake an audit of our result system, the system that we use to process our results, to tabulate seats, to allocate seats, and those type of things. But more importantly is that once we've done our own audit, we invite political parties to say, bring your experts to come and also audit the system so that you can we have level of comfort that the system does that which is intended to do. Again, ahead of this election, we also did that. Parties that were willing brought their experts and they also shared their findings, their findings uh, with us. On top of that, on election day, we appoint independent auditors 
whose job is to ensure that the results that were received from the station are captured correctly and scanned into the result system. And only once there's a match in those results do auditors press their code that is only known to them to make the results available uh, to all of us. We receive the result slips or images of the result slip at the same time as political parties on the desks that we have at the result operation center. So the commission does not have sight of the report of the results from station ahead of any other stakeholder. So at the same time, as the results become available, they are available to us and they're available to political parties and candidates. This is important because parties then, because they do parallel tallying, they can look at what they've received from their party agents at the station and compare those against the results as captured on the result system to certify themselves that the result has been captured as they were cast at the at the at the at the voting station. So this speaks to the integrity and openness of the electoral electoral process. We move now to the campaign that underpinned uh, 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 our messaging. Ahead of an, of an election, the commission conducts market perception survey. And the result of those surveys will inform the tone and nature of the communication and advertising strategy for the elections. And for this election, the underlying message from the commission was that uh, work begins when we come together in our communities and the possibility of what could happen if we all made our voices heard in every election. And therefore, uh, our tagline for this slogan for this election was every voice together to say we our voice can aggregate to make a change and each one of us has a role to play in 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 in, in affairs of our communities of our street of our towns of our cities and of our and of our provinces this slide begins to show some of the work that we did to prepare the environment for the elections in spite of the of covid and given the well received messages against gatherings we were still able to have some form of face to face interaction in schools uh, by way of municipal outreach uh, coordinators across nine provinces but out of necessity we needed to demonstrate resilience and change to an changed reality that face-to-face -face interactions were not desirable in the context of COVID-19 and in fact they were discouraged by the regulations uh, intended to to curb the spread of, 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 of the of the virus and for that reasons it followed then that the commission migrated a lot of its messaging and communication to digital platforms including social media and the slides this slide and the following slide will show to members the footprint and presence of the commission on the new on, 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 on social media and on digital platforms. We also have a partnership with SABC Education that allows us to flight uh, educational content across SABC TV platforms as well as across the traditional radio radio stations. Even with COVID, we still persisted with face-to-face uh, interaction with some of the key stakeholders 
be they the agricultural sector, the trade unions, and business community, as well as faith-based organization, so that we could call out the vote, even in a context of, uh, of, 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 of COVID. Let's skip this. I shall skip this as well. This slide speaks to the human capacity that we had for the elections. In the context of COVID, and because uh, the third wave coincided with a heightened activity of training, the commission has, was forced to move some of its contact training to more remote platforms. And for this reason, for this, we introduced for the first time an e-recruitment system, which assisted us to recruit a large scale of electoral staff, as well as an ability to train using uh, online platforms for appropriate content. This did not replace the traditional methods because we accept that uh, social milieu in the country are not, are not the same. So it was a hybrid system of both uh, uh, online recruitment as well as, as, physical, as, physical, as physical recruitment. This bar on the right gives you the breakdown of persons that we used as electoral staff. The people who were unemployed were 167,000 of people that we used as electoral staff, which means there was a significant decrease in the number of persons that were employed. And by so doing, we contribute to making opportunities available to those persons who would otherwise not, not have had uh, opportunities. There is always criticism that the Electoral Commission prefers teachers as electoral staff over and above all other uh, sectors of society. Uh, you'll notice here that people who are teachers only represent 4% of the total people who work as electoral staff. And there is a rationale to this. The majority of our voting stations are schools. So in order to facilitate access to those schools and to give the principal and management of those schools peace of mind that the facilities of the schools will be well looked after, it makes sense that you must have someone who is from that school among your staff for purposes of keys and access, safe storage of, 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 of resources, and also for access uh, to other facilities and amenities that the school that the school provides. The age part gives you the breakdown by age of people that we used as electoral staff. The message we want to leave with political parties here is that while there is a need for the commission to respond to difficulties in the country as it relates to, uh, to youth unemployment. Uh, and those, those type of things. We must also balance those against the rigors and the maturity required to manage a voting station. Where we have moved with speed to replace people who, have, who, are, who are employed and replace them with persons who are unemployed in the role of managing the stations, there is indication that that showed in the quality of management at that station. Because if a person uh, has no supervisory uh, skills, they will not supervise the, the staff at the voting station, but they can also not withstand the pressure that party agents place on, on, on staff at voting station. 
while we are open to contributing uh, to youth unemployment and also those other country imperatives, we must balance this against the requirement of a sufficiently matured person with a history or a background in administration or supervision so that we strike a good balance of proper management of those stations uh, while we contribute to all other uh, country imperatives. This slide summarizes the training method. I won't go into it. Uh, uh, members of the, of the committee will have the information at their leisure. The next slide, uh, as, I, as I move towards conclusion chair, speaks to the key innovations ahead of the 2021 municipal elections. We introduced the VMD, and this was uh, dealt with by Commissioner Love. And I, let me just spend a minute to deal with the difficulties that we experienced with the role with the rollout of the VMD. The VMD was first put out on tender uh, four years back. Two tenders failed because in the first tender, the, the, the yield was that we could not as an institute afford to purchase those things. So we canceled that tender with the approval of National Treasury. The second tender failed on technical grounds. And again, Treasury said it is not salvageable. We must cancel and run a new tender, which means then the lead time of procuring these devices was eaten out by the two failed tender processes. The third tender was run in the context of COVID and disrupted global logistics. And we received delivery only in about mid-2021, a few weeks before the, before the registration weekend. What that meant is that we did not have sufficient time to test the devices in field. All that we could do was to simulate how the devices will operate and we build the infrastructure to support those devices. We tested them for the first time in real life on the registration weekend. And we know that there were challenges on the first day. Which challenges? we are able to isolate and improve as demonstrated by an improved performance of the VMDs on voting day. There is no issue with the VMD. They do that which is which they expect to do. The issue with it were, was the environment. Was the VMD a good purchase? Indeed, it is a good purchase. It is a fit for purpose uh, uh, tool for, for our purposes because it helps us to register voters. And in the context of a shortened timetable, we had voter registration on 18 and 19 of September. And because of the VMD, we were able to uh, produce a voter's roll on Monday following the registration, uh, which was a few hours after voter registration. Hitherto, that has never been a possibility because we had manual processes that were manual driven and manually laden. The, VMD, as I indicated in previous slides, recorded 10 million, 11 million of the 12 million people who voted and updated their details in real time. To do what? To enable us to know who has voted at what time and at what, sta at what station, so that if that person attempts to have their ID scanned again at another station or even at that station, the VMD would have updated that database and it would indicate that that person has already 
uh, has already voted in the election. We use the VMD to track ballots at any given point. You can tell the rate of consumption of ballot papers at the voting station. Uh, moving key innovations again, we've revamped our public website. We developed a public reporting app for disinformation on social media. And this is key because in the context of election, there are those instead of campaigning positively resort to negative campaigning. So this app allows us to track misinformation and disinformation, and it enables us to work with the platforms to ask for takedown of content if it is established that that content, that content is disinformation intended to impact the elections. I've already uh, spoken about the introductions in, in training of, uh, of, of staff. Point six, we have introduced an online candidate nomination. This helped us. We have also introduced an online voter registration system for the first time, and that system recorded just under 600,000 uh, 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 vo uh, voters. Moving to the challenges uh, of 2021, is that we know now that we had a truncated timeframe for elections delivery in 42 days. The only thing that the commission wishes to say here is that this can never under any circumstances be repeated without imperiling the democratic project because an election in 42 days is not doable because the law requires you to do certain things in a sequential manner before you can have a free and fair election. The recent trend of elections becoming highly contested with increased intra and inter-party rivalries that play out in the electoral process. So it's unheard of for one party to submit three lists of candidates. And it's difficult for the commission to discern which of those lists represent the legitimate candidates uh, for, for, for those elections. Worryingly is that in other parts of the country, there's now a phenomenon on the increase of uh, candidate or councillor killings. That can, go, that can go on without it communicated, communicating to the mind of the voters that parties are only concerned about themselves. In other words, they are inward looking and they're not there uh, to ameliorate the circumstances uh, that the general public uh, finds themselves in. The cutthroat nature of contestation increases the risk of contestants not accepting the result and not resorting to established electoral justice mechanism. What we want to say there is that this, for this election, we had a high increase in the number of objections that were material to the outcome of election. That in and of itself is not a negative thing because it shows that people have trust in the judicial ways of resolving disputes. The worry is if people now resort to other mechanisms and not the proper processes like electoral, electoral court and objection process to raise, to raise their issues. There's an increase in instances of digital disinformation and outright misinformation, which is intended to affect how the voters uh, voters cast their ballot. Community protest, we all know you won't go into the, into the details. The last point on this slide is issues around 
the continued decline in the rate of participation in elections. We have dipped beyond 50% uh, participation in this election, and in 2016, we are at about 57, 58% rate of participation. This must worry all of us because it speaks to the credibility and the legitimacy of the outcome. We accept that COVID may have played an, an, a, a part because in research undertaken in July, already a significant number of people had indicated that they will not be going out to vote owing, owing, owing to, 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 to the COVID pandemic. But for political parties, this need to be said. This election also coincided with sustained and subst- unsubstantiated attacks on personalities or the Electoral Commission. And the position of the commission has always been that where a party or or candidate thinks that someone in the commission or any of the commissioners had had acted in a manner unbecoming of the position that they hold, there are avenues to deal with that, including the electoral court. For parties to go on an onslaught, on a media, sustained media campaign, to besmirch the good standing of the commission and expect that their supporters will on voting day trust the very same commission that has been assailed over a period of time. Uh, it is not sustainable because people, if they don't trust the institution that runs election, will stay away. If you communicate that the electoral commission cannot be trusted because it is partisan and you do not sustain that thing, How do you expect your voters to go out on voting day to vote in an election administered by a institution that cannot be trusted? In conclusion, while contesting parties and the IEC may have perceptions and views on how the electoral events unfolded, the views of the voters themselves must always be accorded primacy. In this regard, and consistent with previous election, the Human Science Research Council tested the perceptions of voters who had just voted on voting day on 1 November, and they interviewed a representative sample of voters to test their perceptions on a number of things. And here are some of their, those results. And the perception of voters must be juxtaposed against the views of the Electoral Commission and the views of contestant and political parties. 92% of voters who had just voted said their perception is that the elections were free and fair. 97% said they are satisfied that their vote uh, was cast in secret and it will be kept a secret. And on average, the majority of voters say that they stood in queues for less than 16 minutes uh, to vote, which speaks to a sense of experience that the voters had at the voting station. With those, Chair, uh, thank you very much. That concludes the submission of the Electoral Commission. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh... Deputy uh, CEO Shiburi, uh, for presenting the election report 
on local government uh, 2021 on behalf of the IEC and thank uh, Commissioner Love for your intro on the observation uh, uh, as a result of the work that was undertaken by the IEC. I'm going to invite members to interact uh, with the report and uh, we'll then have a, a session of uh, responses again or comments by the uh, deputy CEO um, and the team and the commissioner love and all commissioners. Um, commissioner love, you will assist on the issue areas uh, on commissioners if they want to, to respond or contribute uh, to their report, uh, which uh, you have just presented here with the uh, deputy uh, CEO. Thanks very much. We'll interact with the report. I'm going to invite uh, Honorable Pillay, Honorable Ross, Honorable Tito, Honorable Molekwa, Honorable Kanyile, Honorable Ramon Obeng, Honorable Lizel, and Honorable Hwase. Um, in that order, Honorable Pillay. Chair, sorry, I'd uh, lost you for a minute there, so I was not sure who was first. But thank you very much, um, Chairperson, and let me first um, thank the IEC for their presentations. Chair, I think I must start off by um, applauding and congratulating the IEC for having run a free and fair elections in spite of the various challenges that um, they had faced. I think it's important for us as a committee to place on record that this was the first time that they had to be under such uh, extreme circumstances, be able to, to pull off an election. And yet they have done that. And so with the new normal, there may have been various challenges um, but again, it's important to note um, and, and also to just endorse the credibility um, of the IEC. So I think I've said this before and I'll say it again, that if any individual or any political party finds that they have a reason to question uh, the IEC or they may have any um, perceived conceptions, or allegations, and that must follow due cause and due processes. And until we, we do not receive any such uh, um, reports or any such complaints uh, lodged in the right way, uh, I am of the firm view that this is an independent electoral commission and that the elections are free and fair. Having said that, Chair, I think we must also um, appreciate some of the um, mechanisms <clears throat> and, and uh, approaches that the IEC took. In particular, I want to, to um, mention one, uh, the issue of, um, well, not the issue, but the process of where one gets marked on your thumb uh, previously with, with uh, <clears throat> a marker. And in this instance, they had a, a single sort of bud that looked like an earbud that was able to mark on each person, again, taking into precautions um, regulations around COVID. And I think that must be commended because that's something that, that really, for me, when I got in, stood out to say, I mean, look at this. We are able to provide this kind of thing to, to avoid um, the transmission of, of COVID. 
But having said that, Chair, there's just a few things that I want to raise. And I think the first one is around the, the low voter turnout. And I have to, to agree that to a large extent, we might see that this, is, this contributes to one, um, COVID, in that many people were still uncomfortable about having to stand in queues or having to go into a voting station based on the fact that um, they were at risk. Um, and especially that our country was going through one of the, 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 the great, well, one of the most dangerous waves at the time. Uh, but just to mention that um, I'm concerned about special votes um, in that there were many um, persons who had registered for special votes, however, they were not visited, um, and it's concerning because um, they took the time to register or apply for a special vote, but was not afforded the opportunity. And it made it difficult for those people who were actually bedridden or those who um, definitely had a physical infirmity and they were not able to go to a voting station. Coupled with COVID, I mean, that becomes a challenge. So having not been able to cast their vote, even while they took the time to register for a special vote, and, were, and received confirmation of that special vote, I think for me is concerning. Then there was the challenge of voter registration versus, versus the voters not being able to, to, to vote. And I think that was something that came up even on the day of the election and even as a chair and as committee, we tried to intervene. IC tried to even intervene. Um, but we did find many, many political parties raising concern that there were voters who had registered at the voter registration weekend. However, they did not find themselves on the voters' roll. In some instances, presiding officers were even able to confirm, indeed, this person registered, um, but doesn't appear there and was not able to vote. And I think that in terms of a, a credible outcome, in terms of a democratic process, it does give us some kind of, of, of um, challenge because people have taken the time again to register but were not able, able to vote. Um, and then there was a challenge of incorrect ballots, uh, Chairperson, where in some voting districts, it was the actual uh, incorrect ballot when it came to, to candidates, but um, that was still counted as, as being part of um, uh, being allowed to be counted. And the last one is around voting districts and how in the same household, you have um, people who belong to one VD and others belong to another VD, and I think that going forward, we must be able to then um, uh, correct these things and, and be able to, to move forward. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable for your contributions. Honorable Ross. Uh, thank you, Chair, and thank you to the uh, presenters from the IC. Uh, Chair, I'll focus on the VMD, um, because in my experience, this caused the greatest havoc and robbed South Africans of their right to register and vote uh, on this election day. I'd, I had one lady that was absolutely distraught and she said that she'd voted in every single election since 1994 um, and she was devastated that she now couldn't vote because she had uh, registered um, to change her where she lives with the VMD and on the day she was shocked to find that it hadn't um, reflected. Now, I'm amazed that the IEC doesn't even list it as one of their challenges um, and detail the failures and frustrations that were experienced with these systems um, in the run-up to the, the local government elections. Um, you know, and I'm also disturbed to hear, Chairperson, that, that the IEC 
is telling us that they tested it on registration day, that they first tested it then. Because we as a committee, we specifically asked whether these devices had been tested and whether the field staff had been trained, all of them, and whether there was a backup system in place. And we, we received assurances from the IEC that this was the case um, in this committee chairperson. Another concerning thing, chairperson, is that it was mentioned that with the VMDs, um, that you can see when a person voted and at what time. Um, so my question in this regard is, is why would you want to see that? Um, and how is this information that is collected with these VMDs, how is it de-identified? And how is it managed and protected in terms of the Poppy Act, the Protection of Personal um, Information Act? So Chairperson, I think, you know, if, 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 if we look at uh, the, the criteria of the IEC and what they need to achieve, when they need to manage registration, um, and the election in such a way that every person that's entitled um, to be registered and wishes to do so is enabled by the IEC and its systems um, to do so. And, and, and they should ultimately be able to cast their vote. And so, you know, the concern here is that, you know, the IEC is able to tell us a lot about the number of persons that are registered, um, but it doesn't seem to be able to tell us or make an accurate assessment of the number of persons you wanted to register. So uh, how many wanted to register online during the registration weekend, uh, but were failed by the systems? And I don't know if the IEC can contradict me on this, uh, but uh, it seems to me that there's no statistic on this whatsoever. Um, how many persons were turned away? Because it's a, it's a key constitutional requirement of the IEC to ensure that somebody that wants to register can do so. Mm -hmm. And they're being robbed of their right to vote if it doesn't happen. Um, chairperson, you know, another thing is there's no assessment is made of how, how the slow performance um, and the number of VMDs that were issued impact on the time it took um, to process voters during the local government election. And um, what this caused on the day, Chairperson, is, is basically slow queues. So especially in um, voting areas of high voter concentration. And, uh, you know, we saw reports of persons wanting to leave these queues as a result of the failures on the system. Um, and so if the ability of people who want to, you know, who qualify do register and, and vote as an element of free and fair elections um, for which the IEC is solely responsible, um, then it's worrying that, uh, you know, if, if we don't know these KPIs and they were, they, they were not handled, um, it remains uh, problematic, you know, if, if the IEC is not able to report on these um, at all. Um, in addition to this, Chairperson, you know, it's really worrying too that uh, no action plan is presented um, to address these weaknesses of these VMDs and what happened. And so, Chair, I believe it will be very helpful to this committee um, if we can resolve that the IEC must present a full action plan um, on how it's going to prevent a repeat of all these issues uh, with the VMDs uh, in the 2024 election. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Ross, for your contributions. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Tito. Thanks, Chairperson. Uh, uh, greetings to everyone uh, who is present. Uh, 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 Chair, my concern also is on the devices that were not working during the registration weekend. And I think that uh, last year, before before the, 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 the actual elections, Honorable Mfini suggested in the committee that we must go, as a committee, we must go and test the devices. But the, the, the IEC, I don't know why they didn't give us that, 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 that preference that that as a committee of 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 of, of Home Affairs, we must go and test the devices and and not them testing them on the day of the of the registrations. I said that one was 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 our concern all over. And can 
can the IEC also give us uh, the stats of, of 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 new registrations on on all of the VDs? Because of I did not see it on the on the slide. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Tito, Honorable Muleko. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Let me start by appreciating the presentation as presented by the IEC and also acknowledge the role played by the Commission during the 2021 local government election, even though it was very uh, tight uh, schedule, but they tried their level best in making sure that the election are held and they are free and fair. We really appreciate the effort. Chairperson, I just want to check with the Commission that as we have experienced a lot turnout during the 2021 local government election, maybe the, uh, the Commission can be able to elaborate the challenges uh, concerning this low turnout and what are the uh, future strategies that need to be done in making sure that we restore the confidence uh, from voters in the future uh, election. My second question, Chairperson, is I just want to check with the Commission that is a three days election uh, period sufficient for the inspection, objection, and decision, and everything concerning the voters' role? Maybe the IEC can also review the issue of three days to give uh, the community enough time, and also the Commission have also enough time to look into the issue of objections and in the inspection of the Vectasro. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Honorable Mulegua for your contributions. Honorable Kanyele. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson, and uh, greetings once again to the colleagues and the representative from IEC. Chairperson, um, I also want to acknowledge that the IEC did run the elections under challenging circumstances. And on a number of occasions, we did come before the portfolio committee and commend them on the by-elections that were well handled. But one has a different view in terms of how the 2021 elections were, 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 were handled, because um, as some of the colleagues have already mentioned, the issue of, of the VMD. When IEC was making the presentation, they started mentioning the challenges that they were faced with when they were procure, procuring the VMD, but that is not reflected anywhere in, in, in the report. And we did um, emphasize on the portfolio committee that we want this VMDs to be tested on us first before they were going to be utilized on the ground on a number of occasions. And IEC did confirm that was going to happen, but it didn't happen up until the last day of elections. And secondly, the issue of people that came to register during the registration weekend and found that the IEC system was offline. Their details were captured manually I was in a number of VDs in Ligua, and there was a huge number of people that were turned away because they were not appearing on the voters' roll. 
and all of them, they confirmed that they have voted. And that is not reflected in this report. What I would like to know from the IEC is what happened to those, to those registrations? Because people came to the VDs and indicated that they have registered, but they were not appearing. Another thing that I have picked up during the presentation from the IEC, they have mentioned that uh, people refused to be moved to, to new VDs. What I want to confirm is that some people were not moved only to a different VD, but they were moved to a different ward altogether. I, I have a section in my ward, I reside in Ward 6. Even when we were doing our door-to-door -door and leading to the voting day, um, when they came, they did not appear on, on, on the voters' roll, but we, because we had the online system, when we checked them, they were appearing in Ward 5, which was about six to seven kilometers away from where they were supposed to vote. And some of them did not vote because of that. What we'd also like to know is that how did the IEC arrive at a decision of moving a resident from their own ward, the ward that they reside in, to go into a different ward and, and, and vote for a different ward, ward councillor? I think that is what we'd also like to know. I'm also picking up IEC is emphasizing on the issue that they only had 42 days to, to run the, elect, the election. The IEC know that they have a constitutional obligation to deliver elections at a specific um, specified period. And on a number of occasions, the IEC appeared before parliament and confirmed that they were ready. And last night, while I was busy reading the reports, I also went on the IEC's website. There's a number of statements that they have been issuing confirming that they have been ready. So the 42, 42 days cannot really uh, be an issue, Chairperson. Um, IEC uh, on their reports, they've also mentioned that they have reached schools, um, 1,383 schools, and they have uh, interacted with 75,360 learners. What I would like to know is that in each and every municipality where they went to interact with those learners, did they make arrangements or coordinations with the local IEC offices to ensure that those learners that shows interest, they are registered on that day so that they, they will not have to go again and register and only be ready to, 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 to go and, and cast their vote on the day that they are expected to. Um, the issue of broadcasting. It is indicated in the report that they have used various channels that I'm not going to go to in the interest of time. However, when it comes to DSTV channels, they just say, and they have went to some of the DSTV channels. What I would like to know is that which DSTV channels were they um, appearing on and what criteria did they use to identify those DSTV channels? Then there was an issue also that I have uh, picked up, the issue of call center uh, training of staff that they were handled, they were trained to handle ele uh, election related queries. I would like to know that what kind of queries are those? Because on the day when people were turned away in, in various VDs, I myself took an initiative to call, especially some of the IEC executive members that I have their contact numbers, and none of them answered their phones because one would have been under the impression that they will at least give guidance because 
we all knew that the systems were offline. People were here wanting to exercise their right to vote and that right was taken away from them. So we just want to know that what, what were other measures in place to ensure that um, issues that we are we experience on the ground, we are able to escalate them and there's somebody that is actually available to be able to, to give us direction. Uh, I also picked up something Chaperson here about the survey. There's a survey by the IEC that shows that the community trust is actually increasing in, in the IEC. In 2014-2016, they were at 66%, and now they are at uh, between 83 and 84%. I'm more curious in finding out from the IEC that why is their survey different from the one of Afrobarometer? Because Afrobarometer has done the same survey, and theirs shows a decline, and it is a very huge matching because it indicates that in 2014, 2016, the level of trust in the Electoral Commission was 69%, and it has now decreased to 36% in, in, in 2021. If we can just get clarity on, on that, I think we will very much um, appreciate. Lastly, there's a, another point that I have picked up on the litigation matters. It mentions that there were objections on Section 65, and there's a mention also on, on, on six cases that were finalized and two were in the favor of the applicants. Though they did not go into details that who were the applicants, what I would like to know is that if the, the objection was about the counting process, when the electoral court makes a decision that favors the applicant, what do they do? Do they go back to those municipalities that raise the objections and recount and reallocate the seats, or they just let the matter go. Because obviously, when you get the court order, you will get it maybe even a year later after the, the elections have taken place. I think that is what I will I, I would like to know. Um, yes, Chairperson, I think for now I am I am covered. But yeah, my biggest concern were the, were the people also that did not vote in the in the in the correct VDs that were supposed to be in, especially a whole ward, and they were forced to go and vote in 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 another ward. And some did not even go there because it was a very big distance. I think about five to six kilometers. And we do know that some of the members of the communities do not have cars. And this thing has actually affected all political parties. I'm not just speaking for my political party. When we're in politics, we're in the game of numbers. If there are people that do not vote, we all lose numbers. So I would like to know that how did we get there? And those registrations that were taken manually, where did they disappear to? And going forward, what is the IEC plan to deal with these matters? Because we don't want to encounter the same problem in 2024. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Kanyele, for your contributions. Honorable Ramulobin. <laughs> Thanks, Chair. Um, Chair, can I kindly ask not to show my face in terms of the video, if you permit? Um, no, no, you're, you're allowed. We're all struggling on the network. Proceed, uh, Honorable Ramulobin. Good morning, colleagues, again, um, and welcome also the presentation from the IEC. Um, Chair, I think um, Honourable Pillay and Honourable Kanila would have touched on the number of issues or matters that I would want to raise with regards to IEC. 
Um, I would also agree with Honorable Camille on the matter of the 42 days that IEC indicates that they had uh, prior to the 76 days. I think also it's just a mere excuse because IEC knows that its main objective is to run elections. So therefore, you can't go out in media and appear in parliament and declare that you are ready for elections, wherein you come back later on and indicate that you are not. Um, the issues of machines not working properly on elections day and so forth and so on, they they really costed us votes because people were not patient enough to wait for systems to reboot or operate again. Immediately when you can't, uh, they can't be scanned. They then left and there were no guarantees of some of them coming back, um, which it was another um, issue that we had on election on election day, Chair. I'm not sure whether it's Honorable Kanyile or it's Honorable Pillay that raised also um, the issue of people when they go to vote, they find that they're rooted to other branches or they don't appear. Um, how do we, how does the IEC manage to resolve this in going forward um, with, with permitting to that? Um, Chair? I would want to know, do the IEC know what percentage of voters that were effect, affected by the speed voting district changes uh, managed to either re-register or, or what? And if they did manage to re-register, how many have done? And those that did not manage to re-register tried to vote. Um, do they have that, that percentage or the numbers? Um, and what conflict resolution mechanism are used to address their the inter and intra-party conflict before, during, and after elections that they might encounter. What 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 method do they do they use? Chair? But above all, Honourable Kalila and Honourable Pillay will have um, touched on the number of issues that I I wanted to to raise on. Or oh, lastly, Chair, is the issue of staff complement. Why is it that I see every time we have elections, they, try, they change the staff complement? And you would get this from people that would have applied possibly in the 2016 elections and they would reapply for the 2021 elections and they get to be told either they don't get to be taken back or something and then you'd ask why you didn't reapply. They would make an indication that they did, but they were not um, successful or whatever reasons. And you find new majority would be new applicants um, that would be coming in to, to conduct elections. And we properly training those people that are going to conduct elections because you find most challenges emanate from them, not understanding how IEC is supposed to operate or how the voting on the day should um, continue in force. Um, when, when, when party agents will raise issues pertaining to voting or clarities, they seem not to know. They would keep on calling um, the regional managers or seek clarity somewhere else, and that on its own stalls the process of voting. Um, for instance, you find if a VD, a VD station opens at 7 o'clock in the morning, um, if it, it doesn't open at 7 o'clock in the morning, it opens at 8 o'clock. It means the hour that it did not use to open in the morning must be used in the afternoon to be added. They would refuse. So how are we dealing with those effects and um, in making sure that they do not happen in the coming elections? Thanks, Chair.
Thanks very much, Honorable uh, Amlobing, for your contributions. Co-Chair, Honorable Zen. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. And let me just add my voice to all my colleagues um, that have thanked the IFC for their presentation. Um, I, I do think that, yes, the IEC did have challenges. That it had a short period, even though there are differing views on whether that is material or not. But I, I still think we need to congratulate the IEC on a job well done. Um, you were able to do uh, to run an election in a short period of time, and it shows that your systems are, are working and robust. However, that being said, of course, there have been a number of challenges, and my colleagues have alluded to it. But I would still like to say that I'm quite baffled why the report doesn't focus in earnest on the issues of voters who were registered and could not vote. And I'm saying that, Chairperson, because it affected all of us. And I think it's one of the main issues why the IEC, IEC during this election suffered some credibility and brand damage. Um, and I think, you know, to have a presentation that is largely silent or is silent on this issue is, is quite baffling because in our instance, for example, our president emeritus, his family has moved down from Johannesburg. They'd gone on the registration weekend. They registered on the voting day. They were not appearing on the voters roll. And so even on the day, I had calls from many young people who for the very, very first time had actually plucked up the courage, wanted to go and vote, stood in the queue, registered only to find that they're not on the on the voters' roll. And then that, in fact, now discourages those young people who had made the effort and the arrangements to vote because now they, they were left disappointed. And so I would have thought that this report would have, A, given us um, an indication as to what the IEC's findings were, in other words, how many people were affected by this, that they had gone to register on the voter registration weekend and did not appear, because it's very integral and material to whether to an, a free and fair election and whether um, the outcomes um, reflected the, the wishes of the people. So I, I would have thought that this would have um, been reflected in this report. And then, um, yes, we shared the concerns about the, VD, the VDM machines and we had issues with regard to them not being able to read IDs and it appears that there was no synergy between the information on this machine and the hard copy voters role. Um, and so I would share the sentiments of Honourable Ruiz to suggest that the ISU should come back and give us a plan of action on how they would address all of these challenges that they face so that we don't repeat them in, in 2024. There were also issues with regards to some staff that needed more training. And, and I guess it's, it's due to the timeframes that you had as the IEC. But my question is, will you be able to invest more in training ahead of 2024, considering your, your budget cuts? Um, a lot is made of the fact that, of course, the issue of disinformation um, and the impact that has on the elections, and I guess it will be a greater threat uh, going to 2024. So I think the public reporting app is a very important tool, but nobody, I, I didn't see any information on this app being circulated or that it wasn't visible on social media. So I think I would like to make the suggestion that maybe in the next election or in the lead up to the next election, whether the IEC can train political parties on this app so that we can obviously then also train our uh, party agents and our rank and file. Um, but that this, this public information app or this app where you can report disinformation must be very visible on the various social media platforms. Then um, 
with regards to social media, there's a lot of focus on social media. And I've said before to the IEC that I think you are doing well in this regard. But I wanted to inquire. I think the, I think the stats are saying that almost 96% of South Africans have got cell phones. Um, but of course, not everybody has got access to data or, or the internet. So I wanted to know whether the IEC has explored um, possibly doing short um, SMSs in the lead up to voting day to educate the public about uh, the voting hours, uh, where they need to go and vote. For example, it could say, dear Liesl, you are registered to vote here. Remember voting days on this and this day. Um, bring your ID, be part of exercising your vote. I've never received such uh, messages from the IEC. However, I, I do get messages from other political parties. So I wanted to know whether this is something that they would consider. Um, I did hear the, the deputy CEO speak about the issue of youth unemployment um, and that we cannot really utilize um, young people because they do not have experience. But I do think, uh, I do think that we should, um, in the lead up to 2024, considering that we've got a 70% youth unemployment, invest in training of the youth so that they can be part of the staff that, that worked for the IEC um, in the elections. And then finally, Chairperson, um, I wanted to speak about the issue of the voter turnout. I understand that COVID might have played a role. I understand we can't um, blame the IEC um, or lay it in, at the door of the IEC if there's, you know, solely at their door if there's a low voter turnout because there is this trust deficit between the public and political parties. But um, I would like to know if the IEC, whether they've got data on voter percentage per age band. In other words, those who registered and those who actually voted per age band for the purposes of targeted outreach. Um, then we speak about the crisis of the low youth participation. But when we met with the IEC last time, they indicated that the school's program is not something new or the work that they're doing at universities are not new. So my question then is, do they find that these programs that they've rolled out are yielding results? And maybe also, what are some of the international best practice methods that have not been used as yet that we could possibly look at to promote and increase voter participation? And then finally, I find it very interesting that um, the deputy CEO says that rural communities were more active in this election. And, and I find that interesting because these voters don't necessarily have got access to data or the internet and they're not close to voting stations. So they might have to use their own money for transport in these disadvantaged communities. Um, and yet those in the urban areas like Gauteng, there's a very low voter turnout. So my question then becomes, does the IFP believe, uh, the IEC believe that moving registration <laughs> and voting online, um, do you think that that will be um, a way of solving the low voter turnout in Gauteng and other urban areas. Thank you, Chairperson. Yeah, so so there's the, yeah, yeah, changing the... Yeah, I'm asking myself, but I hope the IC knows <laughs> that I'm asking them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Zell. Honorable Jose. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Let me once again greet all the colleagues on the platform. And congratulate the IEC for delivering the free and fair local government elections. Chair, I do not want to repeat on many of the issues that has already been mentioned by my colleagues, but a question arises as these questions are asked to say, does the IEC have a plan on resolving all these other issues in preparation 
of the upcoming elections. Because, Chair, I would want to make an example with what has just happened around the 4th of May, whereby in November, a person voted at a certain VD, and then three months down the line, a person is moved from their ward to another ward for voting. So the question might arise to say, after the completion of the process of the demarcation, how long does it take for information to get to the IEC and for the IEC to, trust, to start transferring voters from one VD to the other and informing a person that is voting to say you have been or sending an SMS to say you no longer in this VD, but in that VD, of which a lot happened on the 4th of May when we had by-elections and the issue of transfer of voters from one VD to the other had bad, very, has bad, very bad results, one can say, and it affected all parties that participated in those by-elections. But also, Chair, I want to check also with the IEC. After conducting elections, they had their post-mortem or they made an analysis of their performance in the elections. Did they see a need or a room for any improvement if they've seen that? Can they give us maybe a sort analysis of where their strength was, their weaknesses was, or where they saw an opportunity of them improving on anything? I do not want to dwell or to repeat what my colleagues have already said, but in a in, in short, these are the issues that emanate from each and every election. These are not the new issues. And as they come each and every time after the elections, it's like there's nothing that has been done. So my question would be that, do you really make an analysis and try to improve on areas where the public at large political parties and members of parliament, as we're seeing, are raising concern over? Thank you, Chair. Uh, honorable members, for your uh, contributions and uh, on the on the report, there are two issues which I want uh, commissioners and the CEO to expand more. And I think we're uh, taking observation on the challenges faced when we are procuring the devices. And I think we're giving more account on the interaction between yourself and the and treasure in terms of this uh, procurement process. Um, and the, the issue which I think is emerging strongly is your confirmation uh, of this device um, by the IEC and the minister then, uh, Minister Mtualedi. I, I will recall this committee recall uh, that uh, the, there was a strong uh, confirmation on the readiness of uh, these uh, devices. But I think you are highlighting that uh, uh, given that it has arrived late, it may have contributed to the testing of these uh, 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 devices throughout uh, your, your system. But I think it is important that when the, the, the IEC gave reports to uh, the committee um, on certain areas, where you confirm your readiness. Uh, and when you go into practice, uh, we're able to uh, uh, collaborate 
your statement and which you are even saying to the public in terms of this. I'm giving this account because uh, this experience, I had the same problem, uh, uh, Commissioner Love, on the queue. Uh, I mean, there were almost three or four people who were uh, removed. They could not, when they arrived at the voting station, uh, they said, no, you're not registered. And I know that they've been voting there for years in the in the in Ward 21 uh, in Puluwa. Others they've been registered far away from the uh, from the registration point. And I think this point which the members are raising must able to all of us uh, give account so that we build from that weakness as well moving towards the 2024 uh, elections. And you know that uh, currently we're dealing with the electoral amendment bill that may come with many changes uh, in terms of our legislation uh, and also your regulations at the IEC. So we may need to have a, um, a system that strengthens the credibility of, of the IEC. And I'm not questioning uh, that the, the IEC um, is lacking credibility because of this shortcoming which all of us were being thoroughly uh, briefed. Uh, I mean, the IC has been improving its work uh, post-1994, gradually improving its system. And I think we must, as the committee and yourself, uh, highlight that, that, that challenge. It's correct for members to say, look, your presentation could have, given this challenge that we face, uh, could have uh, taken a strong posture to highlight the challenges in relation to what uh, our community members have uh, faced. Uh, the Deputy Minister of Cocta will uh, also account uh, to this experience where uh, she was at the voting station, uh, being called by members of society, uh, uh, having wanted to vote and they could not uh, vote others, they could not even participate in the voting uh, process. Uh, and in terms of the what might have contributed, uh, whether they uh, uh, will the IEC apportion some of the challenges which if these uh, devices have impacted, might have uh, uh, contributed to the deadline or participation of uh, our members of the community to, to vote. Uh, because I can see that uh, you know, my observations that you highlight the issue of uh, COVID, uh, what impact might have contributed uh, to this area. But overall, I think we take note of the, uh, 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 this uh, uh, report, uh, commissioners. We're going to request uh, Commissioner Love and the Commissioner to start uh, 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 response, responding or commenting on the issues member raised, and then we'll invite the Deputy Commissioner, sorry, Deputy CEO uh, Shibori, and to uh, to close up the the responses, and uh, Commissioner Love will also invite to to make closing remarks on all the issues that they may have raised. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Love. Um, thanks very much, Chairperson, and thank you to um, the members. There are a number of questions, and what I'm going to ask um, in terms of how we respond to them is to give um, my uh, two fellow commissioners who are online the initial opportunity to give some responses, starting with Commissioner Moyekia and then um, Dr. Masuku. And then um, I'll allow the CEO to deal with um, questions that the three commissioners um, would then ask for further detail from 
um, the administrative team, things like the training and, and so on. But maybe let me start with your permission just to hand over to uh, Commissioner Wetcher, who will deal with a number of the questions pertaining to the, the, um, the timing of 42 days and its relevance and the voter management device and so on. Um, uh, Commissioner Wetcher. Thank you, Chairperson um, of the session um, and, and honorable members, uh, colleagues uh, and friends. <clears throat> I, I think we must thank um, <clears throat> honourable members for, for frankly raising concerns they may have um, or they have noted. <clears throat> and for, for us to, to consider those very carefully. I think there are many issues that have come out of this discussion. Many of them uh, are issues that we, we have spoken about and the context must be clarified. I, I want to talk about the issues that have been raised really in themes rather than you know, going uh, point for point on, on the issues members have raised. Let's begin with the, the timing of elections. Members will recall um, that the, the Electoral Commission uh, and correctly so you say, the Electoral Commission knows when an election must be held. We have, we have gone as far as uh, developing uh, a, an election timetable, um, having a proclamation for those elections, and, and the number of days that were, were, were going to be um, taken up in the preparation of, of those elections were obviously in that period. When the matter was reviewed later and we were required to reopen the, the um, voters' roll, members must look at the election timetable. It is not possible to, to then say we've had enough time when in fact we've got to reopen processes that require that mem new persons must register, new objections must be had, and new decisions must be taken by the Commission. And in that respect, we are not indeed denying that we knew. We are saying when, you, when a period of an election is reopened, the timetable is reopened, um, it is not possible to, to complete all of the work um, in the period as if nothing has happened. And essentially, that's where we were. Um, the, the deputy CEO, uh, the, the acting CEO has indicated that we were helped in this instance by the fact that we were prepared and we had a, 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 a timetable uh, in part. In the event that it happens when we don't, it's just not possible to, to have an election. And we, we, I, I'd like to say to members, it is not, we are not denying that we knew. Members would know that we had a timetable and we, we had planned in, in that manner. But there were developments and we acknowledge those developments, which were unique, um, which were, were precedent, you know, th th there was nothing uh, that was like them in the past and we had to deal with them. The second thing I'd like to deal with 
is the issue concerning the VMDs and, and what has happened. I think, unfortunately, um, the, the issue of simulation versus testing is important to clarify. When the Electoral Commission uh, prepares for an election, it does a lot of work to simulate before it even goes into the field. The simulation happens extensively and involves political parties in our PLCs. We want to confirm that that we have done with political parties represented in, in party liaison committees, uh, and we have, they have seen the, the VMDs and have had to deal with us on what range of issues we have, we have simulated, what the simulation tells us, what we need to adjust if we needed to, and so on and so forth. And we have received quite a bit of input, even from political parties. What we say we did not have was the opportunity in real life to, what, what we said was testing, in real life to have a registration weekend where these things happen and, and staff members have had the opportunity to, 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 to meet with, with voters. And that was not made easy by the fact that there were restrictions in relation to COVID. And we acknowledge and we take that to heart. We, 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 we want to assure you that that situation has in fact in part or in a great part been attended to. In what way do I say that? It's because since the elections in November, we've had almost by-elections uh, monthly and in some months, two sets. And in those by-elections, the process has been refined. Members will, will be pleased to know that many of our experiences coming from elections, even with the debriefing we had with all of our electoral stakeholders, including political parties. And in that respect, one must say that an opportunity to debrief with members of the portfolio committee, I would welcome, and I think the commission will welcome, because the detail of some of the measures we had taken, even after an election, have come out. And we have, we, we, we have, we have dealt with those. And where there are residual actions we need to take, those residual actions are underway and we will be happy to, to share with members. The third point I want, to, I want to, to deal with is the fact that this electoral commission has what we call a dry run before an election is conducted. Even with the tight circumstances under which these elections have happened, we have had a dry run of these elections. And who does this dry run involve? It involves representatives of political parties. It involves observers. It involves our staff. And it involves everyone who, in, on election day, may have an active role in processing uh, the, the administrative work in an election. We have run a dry run in this election with political parties and I think members of the media were in part present because we did this at the National um, Result Center. 
a number of things came out and we, we were clear we would address them. One of those that have come out was the fact that when we registered voters in the only registration weekend we made available in the time was the fact that the VMD was said to allow a voter or a member of the electoral staff, uh, typically a registration officer, to confirm the address of a voter on the screen by touching that address, you know, the area where that address is located. And I, I want to be frank and say part of the problem we had was the fact that in that process, because the system was more open, people have pointed to addresses other than where they lived. And that has, has created the problems members have, have, have raised. In and on slide number 14 of, of the slides presented by the uh, uh, acting CEO, we, we indicate the number of new registrations, re-registrations in the same VD, and re-registrations, uh, you know, because people had moved. A total number of 1.7 million voters were, were reported. I want to very clearly point out that the, the challenge of misallocated voters that we had was limited to approximately 140,000. And of those, we individually indicated that we will pre-approve their registrations in their stations where we knew. And throughout the election, uh, the election period, we kept on updating or on the challenges and the progress we are making. What am I saying? I'm saying, yes, we have had those, those challenges. They are not, they are quantifiable. They were not in excess of 140,000. And therefore, their, their limitation is up to that number of 140,000. The last point I really want to raise um, in, in dealing with this is that the, when one looks at why it is important to embrace and improve on where we are and what we have, one of the big things we faced before this election was the fact that voters, uh, or, or the allegation that voters often uh, moved from one station to the other and attempted to vote or vote uh, for the second time. You will recall that in this election, that situation was one we never faced. And this is an area of improvement we need to build on. The last point I want to raise is the concern we all have about low voter turnout. We, on our part, um, as we've always done, we've always had uh, researchers on election day out at representative voting, station, voting stations to, to interview, to be in contact with the voters and to ask them of their experiences. And I want to confirm that our HSRC report, I, I'm not aware 
how the Afrobarometer have done their own. But the HSRC report is done on site, on the day, and the, the, the results of that we make available to, 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 to South Africa when or before we declare the results. That process is not impeached, as I understand. It is real, uh, and it's, it's, it's really based on those stations where we have been. And for that reason, I want to urge members to look at the HSRC report. I'm not saying it's glowing in every respect, but it is the most reliable um, form of testing what uh, performance we have undertaken as the commission and what improvements we need to make. Uh, Chairperson, I'd like to, to pause there. I thought I should deal with these issue, issues. There are a number of them, and I, I want to say through our um, vice chairperson that I think the, the request from the portfolio committee to possibly debrief this election is one that we should embrace. We sh it, there is nothing to hide. There is nothing to, if we are to take our nation forward, this are matters we have to jointly, uh, um, you know, um, overcome. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Commissioner Mareka. Um, Dr. Masuku, could you um, come in and then I'll pick up on other matters if there are any? Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Vice Chair, um, to the Honourable Chairperson of the session and all uh, honourable honorable members that are uh, on the platform, allow me to say uh, first uh, two things. Um, I am grateful, especially for the generosity of the candid inputs from members of the portfolio committee. I find uh, those uh, contributions very, very helpful and very, very um, uh, incisive. Uh, and uh, I think I must support uh, what uh, Commissioner Nyepa is saying that uh, we may be better served by having a session um, where we debrief um, much more robustly with, with the portfolio uh, uh, committee. But I will leave that to the discretion of uh, the honorable chair and uh, perhaps the vice chairperson. And then um, I also would like also to acknowledge um, uh, uh, the, the comment about the absence of a, a sec section that deals pointedly with uh, the issues of concern that were raised. I think um, the, the, the report, I accept that the report could have been enriched with a section that did that, given the peculiarity of uh, the elections in, uh, in, in 2021. And uh, I think perhaps um, something can be done to augment the report by dealing specifically with the issues, dealing with the data that is available, uh, pointing out where data is not yet available, and then moving from there. Having said that, uh, I'm going to try and deal with some of the questions that are, that, that are specific. Um, I am going to uh, deal with um, the issue of voter turnout a bit a bit later. Let me begin with what Commissioner Mieber has talked about. Why is there a discrepancy between the research that is commissioned by the Electoral Commission 
and that that is com uh, um, uh, commissioned by somebody else, like Afrobarometer. The answer lies in uh, the, the differences in, uh, in, in the sample itself. The HRCRC, which is the research that is commissioned by the Electoral Commission, uh, samples only people that have voted. Afrobarometer, in contrast, and all other uh, surveys, they uh, sample all South Africans, whether they are eligible, that, uh, whether they are eligible to vote, not eligible to vote, have voted, haven't voted, and so that difference in in sample size uh, changes. And I do confirm that people that have had the experience of voting, they tend to uh, 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 report uh, higher satisfaction levels. And uh, people that have not, they, they report higher uh, uh, satisfaction, but they also report higher trust. Whereas uh, the bigger sample that involves all other categories of uh, of, of um, citizens in the in, in, in the country, they tend to report lower satisfaction and uh, and lower trust. And to admit that it is an area of concern, the issue of decreasing trust. Is, is, is correct and there are explanations for it, but I will not get into those explanations at this point in time in the interest of time. I am then going to answer the, 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 uh, the question on the staff complement. Uh, why is it that the Electoral Commission changes a staff complement? Uh, and the Honorable um, uh, Ramon Lebe, uh, I apologize, uh, Honorable. Um, MP, I, I, I'm struggling with uh, pronouncing your, 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 your surname. Why do you change? Yes, uh, uh, doctor, doctor I, I can intervene there. Uh, Honorable Ramorobe. On, okay. I will practice on uh, Honorable Chair at a different time. Uh, uh, to, to say that um, the, the, the question there is about one, there are some people that apply from election to election. And uh, don't don't accept uh, criteria. Uh, don't get uh, accepted. Why is that? That happens because um, one, as for example, you you change the, the criteria for, uh, for for getting people to, to to serve as staff. Some people don't make uh, don't make the cut. Others don't make the cut when it comes to, uh, for example. Uh, doing the first module. The first, the first module um, is one of the things that you do once uh, you, you, you've been um, in, in the recruitment process. Some people perform so badly on, uh, in module one that uh, they are then kicked out of the, of, of, of the pool of people that is considered for, for a staff complement. So uh, that, that it, it, it does happen. I want to to answer very directly and say to you, it does happen that a person that has come before doesn't is not able to, uh, to to come a bit later. And then draw your your attention to what the acting CEO says that we do have a push. We've had in the past a push to try and open opportunities for persons that are not employed. That has had a desirable, the desirable uh, effect of opening employment opportunities, even though they are, they are short, uh, to more people. But what it does is that 
sometimes you lose uh, 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 those people that have served in the system uh, for longer periods. We do try to, to retain a fairly constant uh, complement for the positions of a, a presiding officer and deputy presiding officer for the reasons that were offered uh, quite eloquently by the FTNC CEO. There you need a great uh, management um, uh, capability that you can demonstrate. And so um, that, that, that is what might affect uh, the, the, the change. Specific ca cases uh, that uh, might be aberrations, I don't want to deny them. I don't think uh, it is okay to, to deny that. There may be aberrations in the system. And if it might help for you to raise them with us as individuals, I would like to have sight of them so that we can see if we can uh, understand what happened in those particular instances. And then um, I'm going to come to the issues of um, the, the app uh, of the electoral commission to, to uh, that uh, dealt with disinformation that it wasn't visible. And I'm going to ask um, uh, to, uh, that to take that, I think, to the uh, deputy CEO that is responsible for outreach so that they can tell you what it is that happened today and what it is that he can do better. He will also deal with the issues of why we don't uh, send uh, short SMSs to educate uh, uh, voters. Finally, uh, uh, Vice Chair and uh, the chairperson of the session, I'd like to talk um, once again about uh, voter turnout. Uh, the voter turnout, um, for, uh, we have discussed in an earlier session with the portfolio uh, co committee. It is quite possible, uh, member, uh, honorable members, that voter, voter turnout was affected by many of the things that you have said, uh, the atmosphere in the country uh, and all of those. It is also uh, uh, accurate to say that voter, voters might have been uh, turned away because uh, of the, 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 the glitches or the reporting of the glitches and that affected voter turnout. Uh, so those uh, factors also attribute uh, to, to, to uh, uh, voter turnout. However, voter turnout also depends on um, the, the people's assessment of what is on offer. So when there are, there are, there, there are issues around um, uh, what, uh, what people believe uh, is happening in the broader space, in the democracy and all of those things. And that affects their intentions to participate in the electoral process. I would like uh, when we have that uh, debriefing session to, to, to speak more about what is happening in terms of researching voter turnout across the world, because I think that it would be very, very useful to see how we compare to other countries in terms of one, how we explain voter turnout and uh, what is specific to us in, the, in, 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 in South Africa. Certainly when it comes to global practices of encouraging voter turnout, the first thing that you do is to uh, increase trust, trust in democracy itself, trust in uh, institutions that support uh, democracy, trust in uh, representatives themselves and trust in the election management body itself. So when there is, uh, uh, I want to say uh, finally, 
that bad news travels faster than good news. So if there is a report that uh, there's a glitch with a, a device uh, called the VMD that travels faster than any corrective measure that you can put in place. Because people tell themselves, oh, everything, the sky is falling and I will not bother uh, to, to come out. So it is a multifaceted uh, problem, I think, that is not going to be solved by one single answer. And I think, but where we're going to help ourselves is to understand declining voter turnout. And there is wonderful research that is specific to us in South Africa, specific to the continent of Africa, uh, specific to the entire globe, that will help us understand the phenomenon a little bit better and therefore respond uh, much more uh, uh, pointedly to the issues that we that we face. Vice Chairperson, I'm going to stop there. If there are any issues that I've left out that you believe I should uh, deal with, you will help me do so a bit later. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dr. Masuku. Yes, sorry. Sorry about that. Before handing over to the um, to the the honorable uh, to the um, acting CEO, I thought that there were a couple of things that I should deal with. Um, in particular, uh, the proposal made by yourself, Chairperson, as well as um, uh, the honourable member um, Ruiz, um, to to and and other um, honourable members for us to be able to share with you and engage with you much more closely about the remediation measures that um, we are looking at in terms of both the voters' role and in that regard, um, registration and the VMD device. I think that the um, uh, other commissioners have, of course, pointed out that some of these remediation measures um, are already um, taking place in the course of the by-elections. And indeed, some of them took place um, even prior to the actual election event in, in November. So just the one example that Commissioner Moyepia gave, where because the um, uh, voter management device was enabling people to use um, a pointer to identify where they lived. As we know, when you have a touchscreen device, um, I'm sure many of you have, have had this experience, when you have a touchscreen device that's giving you directions, if your, your, your touchscreen is not very, very highly accurately pointed on, you can land up, especially on a map, going to another area and another ward, as, as the Honourable Kanyele um, indicated. And of course, that is something that is undesirable and needed to be remedied. There are other issues that arose um, between the registration weekend and, and the elections themselves. For example, the time that it takes um, to upload mapping, um, the need for us to have different kind of server operations to ensure that we, that we minimize the time. However, I do want to say that on an offline mode, this particular device operates perfectly. And what I think our remediation um, engagement ought to involve chairperson, and this is, you know, again, something that we were able to do with party liaison committees, 
committee members is to have people having the actual units in their hands so that we can demonstrate how these things take place and so that members can feel comfortable. It seems to me, Chairperson, that it might really require some kind of face-to-face -face engagement between ourselves and the honourable members of the committee so that our remediation measures as they are unfolding at the moment can be better um, and, and, and understood in the kind of detail that members need and want them to be understood, but also that there is the comfort that colleagues who are um, uh, in the commission can really engage with members, honourable members of the portfolio committee so that there is that comfort and understanding of the devices as they've served us up to now, but as we believe that they will serve us um, uh, um, to great positive effect going forward. So I wanted to say, Chairperson, that as you said, um, the, we are confirming, and in our presentation, we've been at pains to affirm the important value of this device. And one of the um, clear uh, values that, that is there is the fact that the device enables us to do exactly what um, honourable members um, were asking in relation to our, uh, um, I think it was honourable uh, Kanyele was asking in relation to our engagement in schools um, and at tertiary institutions, whether or not these engagements are accompanied by registration um, uh, uh, events. Historically, prior to the VMD, this did happen on some very um, uh, carefully scripted um, occasions, but we, were, we didn't have the kind of portability of, that the device gives us which we do have now. And as um, uh, the acting CEO and the team will explain, the device now enables us to do exactly what um, the Honorable uh, Kanile was talking about in our um, school's um, democracy development, uh, democracy program um, as it's going forward um, uh, at the moment and particularly also on the tertiary, uh, at the tertiary institutions. So this is one of the examples of how the VMT can assist us. Um, I think the second thing that I wanted just to place some emphasis on is the fact that um, we, the, the question was raised about whether or not um, the, the existence of, um, if we look at the rural uh, population participation, um, given the fact that data is often more of a challenge there versus that in the urban areas or more, or more densely populated areas, you know, are, do we think that moving things into a more um, technical and 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 potentially online environment can assist us? I think our answer is yes in two ways. One, it can assist us certainly in terms of efficiencies, such as the one I've just mentioned now with registration, but it can also um, uh, um, in, increase our ability to do things with a lot more um, reliability and a lot more certainty going forward. And I think um, at a previous uh, engagement um, with yourselves, uh, the CEO had mentioned, and, and I take the opportunity to mention again, that it's really vital for us to be looking at things like counting devices, 
which are really um, something that is very important for us to introduce into our systems to really make for um, uh, things to be uh, more effective. But to do that, honorable members, we do need to say to yourselves that in addition to looking at our remediation processes and how we um, are looking at the VMD's potential going forward, for us to once again engage on the issue of technology and elections um, with yourselves, because we need, as you've already pointed out, to be able to plan much more um, uh, uh, effectively going forward um, in advance of the 2024 uh, elections. Um, I'm going to hand over uh, to the um, uh, acting CEO, but I did want to come back to one other point, and that is the issue of timing. Honourable members, with respect, the issue of timing is, is an issue that we raise, not because it's in contradiction with the issue of being prepared. And the only way I can try and explain what it is that we're saying here is to give an analogy. If you take a situation where you are intending to, to prepare a meal, you may have all the ingredients known to you. You may even have something that is giving you a time frame. But if at the last minute you find that many of the ingredients that you have prepared in sequence to be ready for whatever it is that you're going to prepare are no longer the ones that you are able to use. Maybe they were not delivered on time. Maybe if they were delivered, they're the wrong, they're the wrong things. You need to go and reappropriate those things in order to finish your preparations. It's exactly the same with an election timetable. If we reopen registration, it means we cannot finalize the voters' role for inspection. Once we finalize the voters' role for inspection, we have to wait before we can distri distribute a voters' role that has been certified. All of these things have knock-on effects. That is why we provide usually for an 86-day timetable to allow those knock-on effects to go seamlessly. The reality is that if you have a 42-day timetable, that is what really makes things extremely difficult, including logistics, including training, including setting up uh, the different facilities that we need to. So I, I just want to say to members that in our engagement with yourselves, it seems to me that what could be very, very useful, because the question was asked by um, one of the honorable members um, about whether or not the three days to inspect the voters' role is an adequate period of time. It was um, the Honorable Molekwa who asked that question. It may well be that we need to engage with you to look at things like that. And again, your input on the detail of how this election timetable is composed is something that we do engage with the party liaison committee, but it would be something that we believe would probably benefit also from your engaging because it would give us a much more robust uh, understanding. The acting CEO, I think, will come in on, on questions to do with how we can deal with disinformation, training and the like, and other questions, including the two Section 65 objections. What do we do? We certainly don't ignore um, a court order. 
And with your permission, Chairperson, I'm going to hand to the Acting CEO. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Vice Chair. The members of, of the Commission have traversed a number of themes. I will underscore a few things without repeating matters that have been adequately dealt with. I do so for two reasons. One, to avoid any impression being created that the Commission was less than candid with the committee. Two, to avoid an impression that the Commission was inept in preparing for elections. So there are five themes. The first theme deals with the time and the timing and the timetable issues. Again, to demonstrate that the Commission was not inept. Already in 2019, the Commission had agreed with the Minister responsible for COCTA, who has the responsibility to set a date and to call an election. In 2019, the Commission had already concluded consultations and agreed on a timeline for the election, and we're preparing for an election on that day. The Commission has had to change those plans because with the outset of COVID, the MDB suffered delays on its programs because it could not go into communities to consult on the draft wards. So the Commission amended its timetable to accommodate the, 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 the MDB. The last point to be made on this point, Chair, is that you recall that on the 4th of August 2021, after consultation with the Commission, the Minister responsible for COCTA called the election for 27th of October and proclaimed those elections. The Commission was planning for those commissions, for those elections, which afforded us a timetable of 86 days. We know now that the Constitutional Court set that proclamation aside as unlawful, invalid, and unconstitutional, and replaced it with a 42-day timetable. So you had 86, 86 days of planning. Those were changed to 42 days by external factors and not uh, by, 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 the, by the Commission. The second theme, Chair, deals with the, the VMD voters who do not find their details on the voters' role and those type of issues. We do not take this lightly because it implicates the constitutional rights of franchise of the voters. But as Commissioner Muyapia says, we know we are dealing with a number of 100, about 140,000 persons who have been so affected. How do we know? We know because where people owing to the VMD not working or perception that the VMD was not working, were registered on, on manual papers. We uploaded those persons, and thanks to the VMD, those persons could find themselves on the voters' roll on, on voting day. Let me pointedly deal with the issues of the, of the VMD. We accept that there were challenges, but the challenges are not related to the device, but rather the environment uh, upon which that device operates. So the device operates as it's spec'd, and it's a good investment for the Electoral Commission and for the country. But in a few min in, a, in a minute or so, the difficulties that we we faced with the uh, rolling out of the VMD, one was that we did not have a dry run ahead of the registration weekend. Not because we did not plan for it, but it was a factor of the devices being delivered late 
owing to disrupted international logistics. So what we had to go on was the simulation. The simulation worked until in real life, we realized their limitation and these limitations were as follows. One was the network connectivity. We know we have unequal network coverage in the country. 3G, 5G in other areas and in some other areas, they still on 2G. So what was the challenge related to that? Is that while we had anticipated the unevenness of, uh, of, of, of bandwidth, we provided the, M the VMD to operate in online mode, which would have been the case in most urban areas where we have 4G and beyond, uh, 3G and beyond. But we also expect it to operate in offline mode where it loses connectivity or where there is uh, not enough strength of the network. What the infield testing showed us was that in, our, in doing so, we do not purposefully provide for a spectrum strength cutoff to say, VMD, you must look for network strength, but if there's no network strength, default to offline mode. So the VMD kept on and persisted to look for network, even where there was no network and that created bottlenecks and the slowness that we experienced on, on voter registration day. The second issue related to the fact that we shared infrastructure between the VMD, the online registration, and our own internal processes, particularly as it relates to mapping functionality. So on voter registration day, you had 38,000 VMD trying to search on the same uh, on the same databases, and owing to configuration of uh, of, 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 our, of our server infrastructure, bottlenecks were, create, were were then created. We introduced new servers. We have disaggregated uh, those servers so that the VMDs operate on dedicated servers. The online registration operates on their own on their own dedicated servers, and our internal staff operate on their own uh, dedicated servers, so that we free uh, bandwidth to better support all those three all those three areas of work. This was done ahead of the election, and we had an opportunity to to have a dry run across the country where we brought on board all presiding officers and their deputies with VMDs in hand to go to the voting station and we sent instructions and they had to do transaction and that gave us insight into how the VMD will operate and it also confirmed that the intervention measures that we had done were going to hold on registration day. The last issue related to VMD was, it was with the intensity of the mapping functionality that we had built into the VMD to make it easier for people to find their areas of registration. And it's important because we did not want to introduce a legal amendment that was not authorized by parliament because parliament has never required that the person must provide proof of address or an address when they register. So the layers of maps was intended to facilitate the registration of person be they in affluent areas or be they in underdevelopment areas, be it a person who, owing to circumstances, find themselves hope, homeless or a person with a proper address in a well-developed and built-up area. So the issue of multiple layers, we had about 11 layers of maps.
and those made the system slow because even where a person gave us a proper address, we still wanted it to go through various gates and we realized in hindsight that was not an optimum uh, spe specification and we've reduced those layers of maps and as a result we freed capacity processing capacity and processing speed and the vmds can work with much higher speed the reality that we must confront uh, is however that these allegations that people have been misplaced are not always true and in the context of the VMD and the intelligence that the VMD gives us, we are going to have to confront those issues going into the future. Uh, Honorable Lukwasa made an, an example of a by-election on the fourth. Uh, on the fourth, I presume, Honorable Lukwasa, you're referring to Ward Five in Mahike, and that illustrates the point very well. People have been voting at the vo at the voting stations over a number of elections, but that station is not the correct station because of their address. So when these people went to update their registration details before the by-election, sometime this year after the elections in November, they because we have now a VMD and intelligence on the VMD, the VMD tells us this, person's has always, this person has always voted in this ward, but there is no relationship between the ward and the address that the person has provided. What do you do in that instance? And uh, keeping uh, true to Mkhrope and come in the electoral court is that a person must be kept out from participating in an, in an election in which their address is not located. So in those instances, we update those persons' registration to reflect their new vote. So while their preference is to vote in station X, they must in fact vote in station Y. And those persons have been persistent coming to the Electoral Commission to complain about the reality that we can't do much about because we are implementing the outcome of the law. So there will be instances as we use the, 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 the VMD more often that we'll find those things. For an example, on voter registration day, I find myself in Centurion, but I live in Soweto. I'm on, on, I'm on work. I can go into a station in Centurion and provide them my home address, which is Soweto, the VMD will default my registration, not in Centurion. It will default me to a VD and voting station that is linked to my address. So that is the intelligence that we have that we never had hitherto. Because in the past, the, the registration was driven by the VD map. A person presented themselves only at the station in which their address was located. And when we registered them, we defaulted them at the station at which they presented themselves. There were objections that people came to the commission to say, I applied for registration at that station, but I've been registered elsewhere. And you realize, when you look at the address, you see, but this is correct. Your address has no relationship with the station at which you presented for, 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 for registration. A concluding remark on this thing is that the issue is not the VMD. The VMD works as it's meant to do. The issues, the challenges that we've identified were around the operating environment, and we've we have resolved we have resolved this to a, a, a key a key fact. The third theme chain relates to training, recruitment, and electoral staff. Commissioner Masuku dealt with this uh, 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 adequately. Just one thing, two things to underscore is that with each election we go on a new recruitment drive. So there are no presiding officers for life because after an election, we review their performance and we either 
take a decision to demote them in future if we hire them based on their performance. Or if they did uh, uh, aberrations that are related to the result, we have the capability to blacklist their ID number so that they cannot be uh, electoral staff anywhere again in the country. So those things are purposeful to increase the credibility of elections. The third point is that once a person has been recruited and trained, they must sit for an assessment. And if they can't attain a score of 80 and above, they are not assigned to a voting station as a presiding officer. They may be assigned a lesser, a lesser role. The third and last point of this one is that uh, before we confirm those persons, at least the three key people at the station, a presiding officer, deputy presiding officer, and a voter's role officer, we present their names to the municipal party liaison committees for parties represented there to object to their uh, to their deployment. And if those uh, objections are sustained, the persons are removed from the list of electoral staff. Why do we do that? We do that in order to establish the political acceptability of those persons and whether they're acceptable to political stakeholders. Because you do not want a person who's, who circulates party pamphlets in the morning, uh, in the afternoon, is engaged as electoral staff. The fourth theme, Chair, relates to communication. And here there were suggestions that are well noted. We accept them. The, the uh, suggestion to use the SMS. We are already using it, albeit on a targeted uh, basis for uh, re-registration, where the word has changed or, and those type of things. So it is a good uh, it is a good suggestion. We will look into it. The only reason that we did not use it uh, cut blanche across all our communication was that it does not offer us a interactive, uh, interactive uh, interaction with the voter. So it is one way communication. Uh, we have the WhatsApp chat board, which we do, which which offers us uh, inter interactive, uh, interactive uh, responses, uh, and efforts to further enhance the and popularize the the app for disinformation and misinformation. We accept that, and we will do. We will we will include uh, more uh, profiling of that app uh, 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 and those type of things. The last point was related to Section 65 objections. Without going into the specific cases, as a matter of principle, the law provides that even after the commission has declared result, there may be a party who is aggrieved and who is able to adduce evidence to show that the elections could be materially impacted by their objection. In those cases, the court, if it rules, will correct the election. But in a number of cases, the commission has, of its own will, also looked at uh, those complaints and ordered that the declared result be corrected to reflect the, the, proper, the, the proper result. That could be as a result of a recount, or it could be as a result of, uh, uh, of, of, of impro improper uh, uh, capturing. Of a result, uh, which is obvious, which is obviously an error, and in those cases, we do not persist with the injustice. The commission orders that the results are amended to reflect the wishes uh, of the voter, of the voters in those wards and in those municipalities. Chair, thank you very much. That concludes my, my input. No, thanks very much, Deputy um, uh, uh, CEO. What we'll do, I'm going to. Uh, just 10 minutes to give uh, mem members uh, for follow-ups or any issue that they want to 
submit. And I think there are many issues that we were dealt with. I know that there's a consensus that we must have a debrief to deal with the more issues on the election, perhaps also to propose certain issues which I think has been raised by members. And uh, as we go to the uh, 24, 2024 local government election, I think what also taking note that the party liaison uh, committee uh, uh, represented by political parties where the issues are um, uh, raised and interacted with, I think that uh, is a structure that also assists us as the committee and the Home Affairs and the and IEC to navigate some of the issues that uh, you are, we are raising uh, to this uh, meeting. Members, I'm going to give each two minutes if there's any matter uh, for noting or to raise, then we go to the next uh, uh, item. I'm deliberately inviting you again, noting the issues that you have raised and the responses that uh, uh, were uh, provided adequately uh, with the uh, IEC. Uh, Honorable Pile. If there's any other issue. Chairperson, no, no, nothing else. Honor Ross. Honorable Tito. Honorable Molekwa. Thank you, Chairperson. I'm okay. Honorable Kanyele. Thank you, Chairperson. We, I note actually the responses that we have received from the IEC. However, I wish to re-emphasize on the issues of people that registered and were turned away, because if I'm noting the response from IEC, they are mentioning that it is 140,000 people that were captured manually, and then they were captured later on the device and they were able to vote. And we are members of parliament from various provinces and areas as well. And we are all saying in one language, we were at the VDs and people were turned away because they were not appearing on the voters roll. So I am pleading with the IEC to go back and relook at this matter so that we can be able to deal with it in the upcoming elections. Because if we just accept that this matter was dealt with, it will mean it's going to keep occurring. The last matter that I am having that I, I have picked up also from the responses it is that people were incorrectly registered. So that is why they wanted to keep on voting in the same VDs. Um, on the matter that I was referring to earlier on, I remember this one, Ubaba Omdala, that I, I captured the details why I came. He resides in, in Ward 5. He says Mendeng. But um, he could not appear on the voters' roll. When we checked online, he was registered to vote in a different section, Ejabavu, that is in Ward 6. So I am pleading with AIEC to double check that the people are actually registered correctly and that they are captured correctly to avoid the same occurrences going forward. Then uh, thank you so much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Ramulobe. Honorable Ramulobe, Ramulobe, Ramulobe. I think uh, Dr. Masugu. Um, Re-emphasizing that. When I was really there. Honorable Lizelle. Honorable Jose. Sorry, Chair. Sorry, Chair. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was struggling to, uh, to unmute. 
Um, no, Chairperson, I would like to thank the IEC for that comprehensive um, answers that they gave us. And I think it's an ongoing discussion between us um, and the IEC in the lead up to 2024. Um, and just to emphasize that I think this um, type of debrief uh, would be very important. And I hope that our committee staff and yourself will prioritize that. Um, I think there are some few questions that were not answered, but I can always submit that in written form. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Lofasa. Thank you, Chair. With a consensus made that we will have more sessions with the IEC, one is clarified and okay for now. Thanks. Thank you, um, Deputy Commissioner Laf and uh, Commissioner Mieta and Commissioner Masuko. I want us to to deal uh, just in three minutes on the matter of 140 votes. Uh, we must not go out of this committee or the narrative must not ground that there are uh, no persons who has not participated, even if the initiative was created. And we note that there are those that could not have participated. And I'm raising this point that these 140 uh, need to be adequately, properly be understood so that our articulation as members and everyone to constituency and even our people are able to be on the same page uh, uh, on, that, on that point. Then we'll take a summary on how we'll uh, call the IC on the subject. Just on that matter, uh, Commissioner Love and Commissioner Mirta, Dr. Masuk. Commissioner Love. Uh, Chairperson, I, th I think I can answer for, for all of us. I think what would be probably quite useful on the question of the 140,000 would for us to provide you with a written note about the the issues of the people who were whose whose um, information was captured in writing, how that was captured in the system, and the issue of cons of concerns that were picked up, um, which caused us to, as you know, to capture. Um, uh, some people whose information had not transmitted through to the voters' role that enabled us to do that um, the very you know on, on election day. What my suggestion is, um, Chairperson, is rather than try and you know summarise all of that now, is we give you something that is a short note to actually pin that number so that you have it and it's not you know what I mean. It's not something that we we debate. Two other things, Chair, that I wanted to really urge um, colleagues and and um, uh, and honourable members to 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 engage with your colleagues is around the fact that our registration process is open right now. So we really ask that in helping us to make sure that any of the gaps that existed or even the concerns that exist now, such as those identified by Honourable Kanyele. People can be urged to go online and even supported online to check, check and confirm their details. It's possible at any stage. Registration is now an ongoing process. And lastly, Chair, the issue was, um, was asked about what we are doing in terms of intra- and inter-party conflict. And I think that that's something, again, we can give you a written note on so that we don't uh, take further time. On behalf of the Commissioner, I do want to really appreciate the engagement by the Honourable Members, the willingness to further engage with us, and I hope that there will be a follow-up, potentially in-person um, engagement with us, and we really do appreciate it. Thank you very much, Chair. 
Thanks very much, uh, Commissioner Love, Commissioner Moyata, Commissioner Masuku, the Deputy CEO, uh, Mr. Shiburi, and your entire team uh, for uh, presenting the local government election report, giving opportunity for honorable members to interact with your report, raise some of the issues which are concerned of the public, and also make recommendations on how henceforth we must be able to uh, uh, engage, but pay more specific issues that the IC had to uh, must look uh, so that we're able to uh, improve our work, uh, 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 particularly as we're going to conduct by-elections um, throughout this year and also the preparing for the 2024 uh, elections. The committee has uh, accepted uh, the, the report um, and noting uh, some of the issues which we have agreed on in terms of the recommendations. We've also uh, noting the good work that uh, the former Deputy Chief Justice Museneke had interacted with in terms of the process towards the local government election. I think we must appreciate uh, the work that uh, has uh, gone into uh, the efforts that have been made by former Deputy Chief Justice and his team. And I think the decision of the IEC to consider to solicit an, an independent uh, a process uh, that was led by the uh, former Deputy Chief Justice Museneke, the entire team of uh, uh, commissioners for running the elections at a short space of time, uh, but also with the challenges uh, that the country has been confronted with, the COVID challenges, and I think we appreciate the work that you're doing. The committee will be closer with yourself in terms of the issues uh, that uh, we have agreed uh, on here or are proposed by uh, members of the uh, honorable members. We take more uh, 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 appreciation to the uh, party liaison officer that uh, continuously interact with the IEC that makes work easier. Uh, and I think from the various uh, 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 political parties where we serve, we do receive uh, 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 briefing and issues uh, that are emanating from uh, uh, the IC and the work that uh, we are doing. I think we must appreciate these uh, stakeholders that you are working with. I think Honorable Pillay raised an issue earlier on the uh, uh, continuous from other uh, sectors. Uh, it may be political parties or uh, uh, NGOs uh, that uh, continue to build a narrative uh, to discredit the work of the IEC. And I think we must come closer uh, to that matter, that we affirm the independence uh, of the uh, IEC, the work that uh, uh, the, uh, the IEC is doing, where there are challenges. We know that the structures that uh, are reported, as you do now, that has been reported to the Portfolio Committee, Party Liaison Officer, uh, I mean, a committee, and other institutions that uh, the IEC do come closer to interact. So I think we must uh, be firm on that uh, narrative. And I think we must not allow that narrative to grow because the IEC post, and I've indicated earlier, post-994, by assuming their responsibility to facilitate the elections, the weaknesses, uh, and there was legislative improvement in terms of how the IEC must carry its responsibility. And we take note, Deputy uh, CEO, that uh, you have sharply raised that matter with the committee. And I think here, members of the committee and all the institutions that we've been dealing with, we must be able to create more awareness in terms of the work that the IEC is doing so that anyone, uh, or the political parties or 
NGOs who have a matter with the IEC must uh, approach institutions or that have been created to be able to preside over those uh, uh, elections. I'm raising this because in the last two or three weeks, I heard that uh, IEC is corrupt to the core. There's a, a member of society who was on the podium that created aspersions to the IEC. And this matter came to the attention of the committee. And we, we want to encourage that if there's any other matter that related to corrupt activities of the IEC, that member of society or a political party must approach the institution that will be able to interface with the matter that uh, she or he is raising on the public. We're now appreciating that you are taking responsibility, I see, on some of the weaknesses that uh, occurred during the uh, elections, uh, including the devices, including the challenges that you have been expressly uh, interacted with the, uh, uh, the committee, and the corrective measures that as you move forward, you will be able to interface, uh, interface with. The last point to agree and resolve that the debriefing session uh, will uh, assist better so that we deal comprehensively with the issues that uh, members uh, raise concerns and uh, members will be able to assist uh, our public and the institution to do better. But I think overall, thanks for your uh, good work. Um, the report has been table accepted. We've noted the, the, the challenges and I think the recommendations are clear on how the committee and the IEC will collectively work together. And thanks to the collective team uh, of your uh, commission, uh, that uh, commissioner, the former uh, Commissioner uh, Mashinini, uh, Commissioner Love, Commissioner Masuku, Commissioner Pile, and Commissioner Mayabza, and uh, uh, Mr. Mamagodo and Mr. Chiburu, and the entire component of IEC for presiding over the local government, 2021 local government elections and the outcome that we declared uh, free and fair. Thanks very much. We're now going to the next item. I'm going to invite uh, the next item as uh, it has been uh, uh, dealt with. We, as you know, that the term of the IEC uh, commissioner, I uh, must emphasize that, uh, Commissioner uh, Machinini, who was uh, appointed to chair the commission uh, by the president, has ended. And the invitation was uh, um, issued for those who are interested uh, to serve in the in the IEC uh, by the Chief Justice. Uh, interviews were conducted, and uh, we took an opportunity to go back um, and, and and observe or, or watch the proceeding of the interviews. There were shortlisted candidates, uh, which uh, they were interviewed. And I'm sure that there were many uh, interested parties or interested uh, individuals that uh, uh, applied. The interviews was uh, concluded uh, and sufficiently members, uh, those that were invited, uh, presented themselves. And the report was uh, sent uh, to the Speaker of the National Assembly. Uh, and the Speaker did uh, refer the, uh, the report uh, to the uh, Committee on Home Affairs to uh, finalize the process and interact with the recommendation. The committee sent members on the 14th of April uh, that report. All of us received the report. Um, and then on the 20th of uh, uh, April, again, um, and the, to interact with the process uh, on, the, on the 6th of May was, was recent uh, to members. 
we also invited the content advisor to come and brief the, the committee. Uh, and we did in that meeting that uh, members must go back and work, uh, look on the old issues that uh, have been presented before us, uh, consult further, they were able to, able to interact with this matter. And we've even requested in the last meeting that members must have an opportunity again to go and uh, do further consultation on this uh, the process. We're expected to uh, deliberate, and I think uh, Mr. Matunzi will uh, outline the process, and then uh, I will invite members to interact. We have uh, uh, went through even the previous uh, 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 reports and this report so that members are able to be informed on the process. The, once the process has been concluded, we'll recommend uh, the name to National Assembly uh, of a commissioner that must uh, uh, recommend it to the IEC, I mean to the president. Uh, and is the, uh, the president that has a prerogative uh, to can appoint um, um, uh, in terms of the brief which we've been guided, the, uh, the chairperson. Now the role of the committee is not only also to reopen the interviews, because that has been conducted and it was sufficiently been briefed. And once uh, the National Assembly has received the report, debated and to be sent for the president to, uh, to consider uh, to appoint a commissioner who will have been recommended to be chair. At this point, I'm going to invite uh, Mr. Matunsi to outline the process, then we'll interact with an item. Mr. Matunsi. Hi, good, good day, Chairperson. Yes, Chairperson, you have you have summarized uh, the background to to the issue of the appointment of the uh, commissioner of the IEC. So, uh, like as you indicated, in, on the meeting of the tenth of of May, uh, the content advisor did go through the report uh, uh, of the uh, of the report from the Chief Justice on on each candidate. Uh, there were about uh, nine candidates there. So, what is going to happen now? Uh, I think what we need to do the committee needs to nominate a, can, a, a candidate, and then uh, and, and and that candidate uh, would be the one that would be sent to the national assembly. So, in other words, we we'll also have to have a report uh, that will be sent to the national assembly, and then that report will uh, will be sent to the president to, to for the for the appointment of that commissioner. So, for, for now, I think members will need to 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 go ahead and nominate and motivate. Uh, they are preferred candidates, and then we have to come to, a, to an agreement. And then if it is possible that we do it today, we have developed a, a generic uh, a, a report that uh, we can just insert the name of the candidate today or any other day. And then uh, from there, uh, the, the report is adopted by the committee and then it's sent to the National Assembly. That will be the process, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh... That is a, a, a process that we're going to engage uh, on the committee. Um, and I will uh, um, invite uh, uh, comments on the issues with the following members. In terms, uh, I'll invite members to interact with the report of the um, Chief Justice. Uh, we've gone through the 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 the, the CV and they were clearer in terms of uh, those uh, uh, credible candidates that uh, uh, participated in the elections, no, sorry, in the interviews 
and the, all of them uh, were sent to us and we were able to uh, interface uh, with them. Can I invite um, members, Honorable Pillay, Honorable Rose, Honorable Tito, Honorable Molegua, Honorable uh, Kanile, Honorable uh, Ramulo Bing, Honorable Lizelle, and Honorable uh, El Hwase. Honorable Pillay. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning, Chairperson. Thank you once again. Chair, having gone through um, all of the CVs and submissions, and I've also had the opportunity to, to watch some of the interviews, well, most of the interviews, um, I want to strongly recommend, Chair, and let me first give you my reason as to why, and then I'll give you a name. Firstly, we had to undertake quite a difficult um, period for the last election in terms of local government elections in that we had to adapt to the new normal. We had COVID challenges, lockdown, uh, we had a court case, and then we had um, uh, the constitutional court ruling that the elections must continue. And even with all of these, um, these challenges, we've just heard from the report that was presented before us how the IC was able to achieve um, the mandate. Can I be protected? Yes, yes. Uh, let me intervene. Uh, Honorable Tito, if you can mute your. Yes. Th thank you. Uh, yes. Thank you, Honorable Tito. Uh, sorry, Honorable Pile. You can continue. Thank you very much, Chair. And so, in, in saying that, um, we have seen that the IEC has been able to, um, to deliver an election. And key to this, key to this and very important, is the person that was leading this process. In saying so, uh, for me, the, the, the driving seat was being held by um, Mr. Glenn Mashinini. Now, I want to strongly recommend, Chair, that in light of him having had the experience, and I'm going to outline a few things, he, for me, is, is the most suitable candidate from all candidates. And I'm not saying this because I find any less in other candidates, but I'm basing this strongly on the experience. While other candidates may have qualifications, but they do not extensively have the experience of running elections. Now, this candidate has served as the deputy chief electoral officer, and the roles and responsibilities included the administration and establishment of the national head office, and also oversight in terms of all nine provincial electoral offices. I want to refer to you, Chair, a comment made by Professor Mpruno, was the former CEO of the IEC, in that he said, and I quote, the highlight of the IEC national mission was that throughout the period of service, Glenn's administration had a clean professional record, no single Auditor General qualification or adverse report in the three years of successive service. Now, Chair, I believe strongly that if something is working, there is no need to replace it. 
And hence, having had gone through this extensively, I think that the candidate, Mr. Mashimini, has extensive knowledge and experience of both local government, provincial government, and national government. He also has an international imprint in that he completed his tertiary studies at the Curtin University in Australia. But here's my final parting motivation, Chair. Having undergone the process of the Electoral Amendment Bill as this committee, we have seen that there are going to be major changes in terms of the provincial and national elections, in terms of our 2024 elections. In that, we're going to include independent candidates. And I believe that the best person suited to be able to take us to the 2024 elections will be Mr. Mashinini, based on the fact that he understands. Imagine bringing somebody new to run a 2024 elections, having gone through this process. And it's going to be difficult to be able to, in a space of two years, and I'll say one year, because you have to start preparing for 2024, It'll be difficult to get a new person at the helm of the IEC to be able to run that 2024 elections, giving into consideration that we have to ensure that the changes are made in terms of the Electoral Amendment Bill. And for that reason, Chair, I strongly recommend that Mr. Glenn Mashinini uh, is the candidate that should be recommended. Thank you. Thanks very much, uh, Honorable Pile, for your contributions and submissions. Honorable Ross. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, I will defer to, to Honorable Kanile to give the DA's position. Um, but certainly, I think, you know, we need to consider that, that we should at least have watched all the interviews before we make a decision, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Ross. Honorable Tito. Thanks, Chairperson. Chair, uh, me, uh, from, 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 from this from, 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 from this time, can you give me a chance so that I must also go and consult with my political party and then I will also write my, 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 my submission on the candidate. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Honorable Malikwa. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I think uh, Honorable Clay has motivated and give uh, tangible reasons on why we should retain uh, uh, the person of the IEC. So I think I agree uh, as recommended by Honorable Pile. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Kanyile. Thank you very much, Chaperson, for the opportunity. Chairperson, I think I share the same sentiment with uh, Honorable Dito. Initially, this matter was scheduled to sit or discuss on the 27th of May. And with all the mini plenaries that had been happening in between, though I indicated earlier on that I also did have a chance to look at the interviews, but I, I am not finished because that, uh, that interview took about seven hours. So what we are requesting is more time to do our, our work on our side as well, do our own checks and maybe discuss this matter in the, in the next sitting or in the next portfolio committee sitting or on the, on the 27th as it was initially scheduled. 
we will truly appreciate if you can uh, consider our request, Chairperson, because we do want to make an informed decision as well. Thank you very much. Honorable, thank you very much. Contribution, Honorable Ramulobe. Thanks, Chair. Um, Chair, Honorable Pillay already has motivated enough, has said a mouthful. I would like to concur with the submission um, that we 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 recommend um, Mr. Mashinini um, to retain, especially since he he is quite familiar with the process of IEC and elections. So it will be in the best interest in the, of the country to have someone that is it's quite familiar with the process, Chair. But I will I'll end there. I would I don't know through you whether we should speak to or are we allowed to speak or engage on the matter of what Honorable Tito and Honorable Kanyile would have um, made suggestion of. I would, I would take um, an advice from you, Chair, if we're allowed so that we then make submissions or our views on it. Thank you. If you have a view, we can uh, <clears throat> contribute to that issue so that we don't take, take time. Thanks, Chair. Um, Chair, bearing in mind that there is a, a view that we should... Um, Honorable Kanyil and Honorable Tito are making a submission that they be given time to process this, bearing in mind that interviews were long and so forth. I think we all were quite familiar and, and aware that there is this process that we need to engage on and we need to finalize on it. And I think it, it's within the best interest that we, the sooner we finalize on this matter, the better for us to be able to generate a report that must go to the House, table to the House for for its final adoption, and so that the new commissioner can come in and start the process of working, especially bearing in mind the challenges or um, realities that we raised regarding or that are facing IEC per se, that requires to be, to be resolved. 2024 is just around the corner, and the election process of 2024 doesn't start in 2024, starts in 2023. So the sooner the work of the IEC starts to gear up the better for us so that we are able to have credible and solid, fair elections. Thanks, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Ramulobe. Honorable um, Lizelle. Yeah, <clears throat> thank you very much, Chairperson, for this opportunity. Um, I've listened very carefully to what the Honorable Pillay has said. And um, Honorable Pillay now advances the point that, you know, Dr. Mashinini, or, or you know, has got experience, and nobody can, nobody can discount that. Um, but one, one must also remember that we've just had a presentation where the IEC themselves have highlighted the fact that one of the critical concerns is the very low turnout of youth, the low voter participation amongst the youth, and we're a very young population. Now, amongst those candidates, there are people who are youth activists who work in the education field, um, in civic education, in, in teaching people about elections and why they vote matters. So really, I would like to say that I, I don't, unless there is a specific rush to complete this work, I would like to concur and agree with Honorable Tito and Honorable Kanyile. It's not that um, we have not started the work. I, for one, did consult my caucus yesterday. 
But of course, it's difficult to consult your caucus or give them an input when you haven't watched all the interviews. And unfortunately, some of us serve on multiple portfolio committees. I, for one, currently I'm seized with the Children's Amendment Bill. And I would like to finish watching those interviews over the weekend before I can make a final recommendation to my caucus. So I would really like to appeal that um, we support the proposal by Honorable Kanyinle and Tito that we deal with it on the 27th of May, which was originally programmed, so that we can do justice to this this process. Um, and that we don't just go for a candidate that we know, um, but that we make sure that we are recommending the best person for the job and somebody that can take the IEC into the future and also make sure that it addresses all of the critical challenges that it's currently seized with. So that would be my input, Chairperson. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you thank you thank you chair check uh, can i speak please is is, is, is honorable tito uh, you okay you want to speak before honorable Jose or now yes yes i i just okay. wanted you chair uh, to note that uh, there is our 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 honorable member uh commissar marshall uh, Kamini, he's also inside the portfolio committee. Can you also please give him a chance to speak, please, Chair? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Honorable uh, uh, Tito. Uh, Honorable uh, uh, Marshall, uh, you, are, you are welcome. Um, and uh, also, uh, our former Chair, Honorable uh, Bongo, is, uh, uh, you are welcome. I'm going to give uh, uh, Honorable uh, uh, Lehoise, and then I will invite uh, uh, Honorable uh, Masha. Honorable Lehoise? Thank you very much, Chair. I heard what my colleagues on the platforms are saying, and would not want to get to a point where we make the argument around the names. Isn't when I'm going to suggest that isn't when we request or make a suggestion on the postponement of what needs to be done today to the 27th. We must not try in any way to dislobby the candidates that is already been suggested by Honorable Pillay. I hear my colleague, Honorable Lizelle, I don't know if I heard her correctly, saying that we must do justice to the process and we must not only recommend a person that we think we know or that we know, we must make sure that the decision that we take is the decision that will be best for the country or for whatever that she said. But I'm saying to you, Chair, the recommendation by Honorable Pillay is a recommendation by Honorable Pillay. If you think that a person that is been nominated or that is been propped by one member is not the best, please let's not go to an extent of saying it now, especially that you have not yet completed the consultations or the researches or the investigations with whoever that you had to do that with. So I'm saying, Chair, as we are sitting, I'm boldly going to say on behalf of the ANC, the recommendations that Honorable Pillay has made, 
we concur with those recommendations. And where we are sitting, having gone through the consultation process with the party, having gone through the interviews or watched the interviews, we say with the experience that we that he has and with the current situation that we have, we are busy with the amendment of the act. We are going to one of the difficult elections where independent candidates will be participating participating in the national elections, which will be our first experience as the country. So we will need a very experienced somebody to can do the job. And as the ANC where we are sitting, we feel that the best candidate for the position is Mr. Machinini. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Lukwase, Honorable Lamin. Honorable Lamine, Honorable Tito, yes, Chair, he's coming in, he's coming in. But you said he's in the meeting, I can see, yeah. Okay, members, it is clear that we are. The, I think we must appreciate the process which was laid, and I want to caution members uh, not to uh, bring issues which are not or were not adopted as a process. We noted that the speaker referred the matter before this portfolio committee. We requested the team the secretariat or the content advisor to table the matter before the committee for noting. And we said to the portfolio committee, we are requesting members to go and consult on this matter. We even said we are requesting members to go and watch in, as part of the consultation on two issues. The interviews conducted by the Chief Justice, if you have not watched them, or the team or the team that you are consulting or the party. Secondly, there are CVs which are public that you must interact with. That's our summary in the first interaction. And we have said that we're scheduling this item on this particular day, which were great. We came back to the portfolio committee again and said that because of the issues that we're dealing with of the um, electoral amendment, the main court decided to shift the dates and give more time to members to go and consult and come back to the portfolio committee to deal with this issue. We've even said that we, because the date of the deliberation and adoption was scheduled at a particular date, we are taking it, we're extending that date until we re revisited the date of the 27th to this today to deal with this matter. Now, I want all of us to have, at all time, when the committee deal with issues in terms of the process, we must appreciate that this is the committee meeting where all of us must 
able to go, if the challenge is only decision at a particular time, members must raise and articulate the position in terms of the process. And you must not wait until the item is on the table to come and raise issues with the interpretation that this process was not adopted by us as members of the committee. I think it must be clearer from that, from that, from that point, that we as members of the committee, we know the fact that there are certain processes that the party we belong to, the ANC, the EFF, IFP, um, the DA, where members are participating in this matter and other political parties in the National Assembly, a consultation, thorough consultation must be sourced so that there's able to be a proper decision, even if there are different views and names in voting, but at least there's a situation. So that process was late, was laid down that we must deal with. And I think members we must appreciate that at a particular point. We must not raise issues as if this meeting did not define, articulate, and resolve on what is going to be engaged on, on, the, on the process. We appreciate that there's a, 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 a deliberation that was carried by the ANC has made its position that they are uh, they, they will uh, they are forwarding or no, they are recommending uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Machinene, and it's noted. And the other parties uh, that are requesting to go do further uh, 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 consultations. Now, members. Each and every committee meeting, I know, and you know all of us, that we do interact with the reports in terms of the item that is going to be on the, on the, on the, on the table. So I think we must, all of us, take that moment on a decision processed. And we're not saying that members mustn't go and do a further consultation. It's a point that we must be able to be concise on the issues that we as members of the committee will resolve on. And now that the matter has been tabled in this meeting, the ANC has tabled its position um, as part of contributing to the discourse and as influence. Will, uh, in the next meeting, uh, Mr. Matonzi, bring up a report of these deliberations and give members who are going to uh, do further consultation as they request the committee and we adopt the report, we adopt resolve on the recommendations, and we uh, so that we are able to send the report uh, to the to the National Assembly, noting that the ANC has already made its position in this meeting. It is important that as a collective, we are able to have a, 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 a point of a, a agreement in terms of the process always which they were, were, were taking. The last point which I must caution is that all the candidates who are here, who have been submitted, they've went through the interviews and members will able to motivate, inform by the consultation without necessarily rebuking candidates. And I think that's the spirit which we must hold because what here interfacing with the independent institution, which as a, it needs collective uh, persons 
to able to discharge its responsibility. So I think that is our summary in terms of how we are going to interact with it. Uh, Mr. Matonsi, you will uh, but come chair, to the... just, just on a point of order, um, I just want to clarify because I'm hearing you also saying that now and um, Honorable Khwase also spoke to that. My point was not to uh, delegitimize one candidate over another. I was simply saying, which is a fact, that there's one candidate which we all know very well. I wasn't saying that that candidate is not suitable, etc. So I would like for that to be corrected because seemingly I was misunderstood. No, no, no. I, I did not... Legitimizing or she's arguing against the appointment. I'm making a statement that the candidates, which you have raised a point about a young a person in the candidate, I'm the candidates, all of them which are submitted before the committee are credible. And members, in terms of the contribution to the discourse of this, of this matter, who must able to rise to that to that to that occasion? I did not say, and I think it's a point that I must emphasize. You did not mention that or uh, rebuke or rebuke the contribution of honorable honorable uh, PDA. You raise your point in the manner that these interviews and the collage of your experience in terms of the issues that are arising from the from the from the. I think that is the spirit in which we are, uh, I'm raising uh, the matter, uh, Honorable Sir. Thank you, Honorable Kanyere. I see your hand. Yes, thank you so much, Chairperson. Um, Chairperson, firstly, I'd like to appreciate the fact that you are considering our request. And secondly, um, I just want to re-emphasize that we would like to view like the YouTube further. I think if you remember very well, in the previous meeting, um, I did indicate that I, I got a sense that the report was, was not giving us a direction in terms of how we were supposed to make a decision because if maybe all the factors were clear, we would have been able to do that. And then um, uh, Adam advised that there is a, an interviews on the YouTube. You also concurred to that and said we can go and, and watch them. So we are saying in between, there's a lot of work and plenary meetings and everything. And another thing that we would like to request from you, Che, is that in future, if there is a, a meeting that has taken place and we have confirmed the date, if the date has been changed, can we please be consulted? Because we normally get a schedule that the matters has now been scheduled and we're under the impression that this matter was going to be on the 27th, which was going to give us ample time to be able to prepare ourselves, to be able to make um, contributions. Thank you so much, Chair. Issues, members. There's a structure that which calls MENCO that solicits and assists each other to deal with the matters that must go to the table, to the committee. And that structure, members are invited. Mr. Matonzi, and uh, is who check all our records. There's no any matter that go to the table, members. We know that there's no process of the structure. We contribute to engage, we take the issues to the committee meeting. There's no issue that just come to the committee overnight. We do thorough consultation, and it's what we've been doing since the sixth parliament. In fact, 
even the when the chairperson Honorable Bongo was still the chairman, he introduced this technique of consultation with the members because we are representing women in the committee or in a collective to run the affairs of the co collective of the committee on behalf of the National Assembly. That's the point that we must emphasize. There's no decision that we have processed without that consultation. And we have moved string, string, since that established principle by Honorable Bongo that it's important that all the decisions we're taking as members for Tibli, we must consult. And I can confirm that to this date, we're able to deal with this uh, uh, consultation. Second point, the issue of viewing the, the, uh, the, the interviews is not a matter we can raise now and today. I must emphasize, the interviews were public first. The YouTube is accessible, which we've raised when the matter was tabled in the committee. That let's go back, find time to interact with the uh, uh, um, uh, YouTube. Mr. Sammo circulated also the YouTube. Also our responsibilities to find out because that is part of enhancing the consultation for members to take proper decision. But at this point, we can come and raise these matters of a of 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 of, of a, a YouTube. We must able at the time that Mr. Salmon volunteered that this is a is a is a process that will take. But in the spirit, members, let's those that have not started done this startup process go back all of us and deal with this a uh, uh, consultation. And in the next committee scheduled meeting, we'll come and do further deliberation, take a decision. Uh, on, the, on the issues, and we appreciate all members of the committee for the work that uh, we, 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 we are doing. We close on that matter that the, uh, the Honorable Pile has made his positions, uh, contribution and submission, and Honorable Jose has also considered an Honorable Ramulobe. Is there any other matter outside this, uh, Mr. Matunza? And Mr. Matunza at that point will come with the report of these deliberations on this matter. And further deliberation, then we, we, we take a decision, we close, we do uh, recommendations. Is that our understanding, uh, Mr. Martins? Yes, Chairperson. Okay. And there's no other matter that I need to raise. Okay. I've initially, I'm sure that before we, we stand out of the meeting, uh, initially, Honorable Tito has requested Honorable Marshal Lamin uh, to contribute, but in the absence of that, we'll... Uh, uh, is Mr. Honorable Lamine on the one still able to contribute so that we close the item? Thanks, Chairperson. I think that the network has, was 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 dealing with him. He's no okay. he's no longer in here. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Th thanks, Honorable Tito, for that uh, request. And with uh, for other members like Honorable Hendricks, when he's in the meeting, we do allow members to 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 contribute. I want to thank all of you, Honorable Members for the uh, contributions uh, and interaction with the IEC on the report. And also thank you for interaction on this item of considering the, uh, the nomination or, recommend, or recommending for a commissioner. And as we resolve that, uh, we'll in the next session, finalize a uh, next portfolio committee, finalize the, uh, the, the, uh, the recommendation of uh, other members as you have agreed that 
we will want to further uh, consult on the on the space. But it's our our resolve that uh, we must be firm on our processing and uh, and consultation. On Tuesday, uh, there's a debate. Uh, Honorable Mr. Matunzi, unless it has changed, um, and we take this opportunity to wish all of you members uh, for uh, the contributions uh, to the debate that will be uh, in our vote on, on, on Tuesday. Uh, thanks, uh, uh, see again, and uh, thanks very much, members. Uh, if in the absence of, in, uh, there's no announcement, Mr. Matunzi? No, no, there's no announcement, Chairperson. Okay, thanks very much, members. We'll then join the uh, uh, mini plenaries that are continuing. The meeting stand adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Chair. Thank you.